I want to talk about Evo uh, the fighting game tournament Oh yeah, they, I saw James Ty Jane like the list of what games are getting played. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the list that's got played. Bro, with the Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I was gonna, like, I figured out a comeback to that, but three days later, I was like, well, you need to spell Mortal Kombat right to find it in the search thing. But, All right, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't saying it was good. I but, thought you were talking about my tweet. I'm like, did I misspell Mortal Kombat? Did I not, you did. Did I, did I spell it with a C or a K? <laughs> I remember it. And I don't care. That's the thing. It's one of those things. I'm pretty sure you've texted Mortal Kombat with a C multiple times. I went. I don't care. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11 sucked. I don't care to correct you, sir. Uh, uh, but uh, the, the games that you think would be in there are in there. And there's one inclusion that I'm just scratching my head at. Why the fuck is that in there? But <laughs> 20th anniversaries, I suppose. See, see, what I'd love to see is a fighting game tournament, but you ever heard of Gang Beasts? Yeah. I would love to see a fighting <laughs> tournament. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evo stage. <laughs> Evo main stage, top eight. That gay furry guy. <laughs> And some guy from Glasgow fighting in their, this round's elimination round. It's been a fucking wheel. <laughs> Gang beasts. <laughs> it, it, it goes past Tekken, Street Fighter Five, Smash Bros. Ultimate. And, uh, it's looking like it's going to land on fucking gang beast <laughs> shit there's one guy yeah <laughs> one guy in the back I made that game <laughs> this is the fucking developer that's the developer he shows up the Evo tournament just in case he came on and just fucking stuck it on the wheel <laughs> he's sitting there with two flags and a plushie I made the game it was inspired by Beanie Babies <laughs> <laughs> my sister used to chuck Beanie Babies at me <laughs> Well, maybe starting with the retraction, but we're here to talk gibberfish, aren't we, Dom? Yep, we are braving the weather. Yeah, you came here with a fucking frozen testicle at this point. Yeah, I mean, I left the house thinking, oh, the snow won't be that bad. The snow wasn't as fucking sideways as it was <laughs> when I left the house. <laughs> then I walked the not even 300 yards from my house to the bus stop, and I was a snowman. I was covered in goddamn snow. He's, drenched to the balls he's thawing on my couch kids he yeah. literally has a towel down there's a towel underneath <laughs> I appreciate the towel though yeah I mean no point in dripping all over somebody's couch that's just bad fucking manners <laughs> uh, well our attraction uh, very quickly I just want to point out that in our best of 2019 episode I mentioned that Underground 6 had James Franco in it however it had Dave Franco in it Dave Franco not a big deal however this all came about because it was pointed out by a friend of the show Laura who sent me a uh, DM on Twitter to explain that uh, she thought she thought I was talking about James Franco in an episode and I was like I don't remember talking about James Franco I remember talking about Underground 6 but I didn't know I'd mistakenly identified the correct Franco brother which is frankly their fault because there's like seven of them yeah and they all appear in the same kind of mediocre tier of movies that are yeah around. and like do you did you know that uh, James Franco has like four PhDs or some shit the guy's no. incredibly smart but not smart enough. Not yeah. He does stoner comedies with Seth Rogen. No, uh, this is uh, this is a bit darker. Oh shit! So Laura uh, sent me the message to say, "Why don't you talk about James Franco's like weird fucking fetish for young Scottish women?" I'm like, "What did you just say?" Turns out um, that a couple of years back in 2014, James Franco slid into the DMs of a 17 year old. Oh, in Scotland. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of articles about it. Uh, and it's so fucking weird because I think at the time he was, well, he's now, 
30, he's 35, he was 35 at the time. Mm. So he's sliding into DMs of a girl 18 years younger than him. And I will point out, in case there are any lawyers listening, that technically not illegal. No, not illegal. Scotland, age of consent 16. New yep. York, where June Franco works a lot, is 17. Yep. Technically wouldn't have been anything wrong, just a bit fucking weird. Yeah, it's just nothing illegal, just immoral. And uh, yet, it was so strange that people who were aware of the incident thought it was a PR bit. They thought he was doing some shtick. <laughs> doing some shtick. Because he was promoting it, or at the time he had just finished filming a movie where he, as a teacher, slept with an underage student. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. There's, there's easier ways to promote your movie, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, all a genuine misunderstanding, uh, Jane Franco gave interviews where he said, uh, whoops, didn't mean to do that one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that 17-year-old girl probably is still walking around with a little bit of an ego boost. But yeah, I had no idea any of this has happened. And kind of fucking weird. Like, really kind of creepy. Yeah, it is quite creepy. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a limit, kids. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> as soon as that 18 number tends to come up a lot, like, again, would not have been illegal. But if you showed up to the, the pub with, like, a girlfriend who is just under 17... Yeah. Or just under uh, just under 18, everyone in that pub is going to just want a wee quiet word with you in the back with a poke you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it turns out that's timely because, I don't know if you've seen this, the Scottish finance minister is in trouble for sending about 270 texts to a 16-year-old boy. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fucking horrific. There's a... Uh, there's a lot of this whole kind of uh, story going around because it happened on the day he was due to deliver Scotland's budget. That's when the news was broke about this whole story. Turns out he's been trying to slide into the Facebook and Instagram DMs of a 16-year-old kid insisting that they should go and get dinner together sometime. Take a hint, you creepy fuck. Bro! <laughs> Bro, shit, done. Oh, it's... Uh, just, nah, fuck that guy. Just fucking disgusting. I just, no. When I started reading that, I was like, that's fucked up. The Jane Franklin thing was fucked up. And you hear that's happening with the Scottish minister. Uh, unsurprisingly, that guy handed in his resignation and no one stopped him. Yeah. I believe Nicola Sturgeon's quote was, he fell below the standards uh, required of an MP. Yeah. And I think his one of his statements in public was that he'd... Uh, <laughs> I fucked up. Made I, it, I fucked up. Made something of a silly mistake. Bro, you tried to fuck a 16-year-old you boy. Fuck a 16-year-old. <laughs> How old was the, the finance minister at the time? Uh... 30s, mid 30s, yeah, mid 30s, no. probably in the 40s or something like that, and just open recently out as a gay man. Like, bro, that, oh. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you can't yeah. have that the same week as the Philip Schofield coming out, too. Quite a general, kind of well received, yeah, thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, very much. I can, uh, uh, well done, you. A lot of people say, a lot of people say, no, it's, it's very brave, and to be to do it publicly, I can imagine, take some fucking sack yeah. on the on national television. on your show with the interview being conducted by your co-host who has known you for a decade and a half at this point yeah. or something like that I think they've been working together for about that long yeah I Not mean fair play to him for actually coming to the realisation that he is gay when he's been working with Holly Willoughby for years I didn't want to make the joke but do you think that's what set it off like he just realised it went, like he was out with the guys and like dude how do you not get like, born how'd you, how'd you do that and, and he went like, I don't think I've ever Oh my god! I need to go home and I need to go home and talk to my wife. I need. To, I, there's there's some people making a big deal about the fact that he was married for twenty seven years. Like there's nothing that says he couldn't have been a great dad, a great father, yeah. a great husband, uh, whilst being a closeted gay man. I mean, I'm pretty sure someone's done it before. Why not Philip Schofield? Yeah, I mean, it's not like he was. It's not like he was hiding it. 
Yeah. It just it took him long enough to be comfortable to, you know, Experience put it out on national problem. television. Yeah. And to be fair, give him major fucking props for doing it on national television. Oh, yeah. How many people would fucking <laughs> do that? I, I, I wouldn't even publish it on Facebook. I'd just be like, hey, surprise. Like, <laughs> you tell like five people, like, can we not make a big deal like this? Yeah. This guy walks out on national television and goes, I'm a gay man. And everyone just kind of goes, wait, what? Yeah. Like, really? Like, for real? Okay, right. Uh, oh, right, fine. Yeah. Even the usual parade of fucking morons, obviously. But yeah. beyond that, I think it's been quite well received. Yeah, quite well received, except one guy in my rugby club Facebook group chat that got kicked out promptly afterward for some very, very, very shitty comments. <laughs> wow, just a tirade of fucking just awful. And then, you know, it gets bad when the head coach wades in and goes, right, mate, you need, it's like, take two weeks off training. I don't need, I don't want to see you, man. <laughs> Here's the thing. All inclusive is the name of the game and you're just shitting on the table, dog. We, we have a, a somewhat international audience. If you're not aware of who Philip Schofield is, He's just a morning TV show yep. presenter and just a quite likable, nice guy. I don't think he's ever really offended anyone. Um, and you don't really have to try hard with British television these no, days to offend really. people. But this guy just kind of perfectly straight, straight down the road, middle, like middle lane guy, quite well reserved as far as like his personal opinion goes. He just does a morning chat show. And then suddenly one of the, one of the faces that most people in Britain see every day mm. comes out. It's quite openly gay. So good luck to you on yeah. that one. For those who haven't have never seen it, and I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of it, I guarantee, particularly people who live in the UK, you recognise the the two panel meme of Katie Hawkins talking to Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, and she says, "I don't mm. like geographical names for my children." Then in sync, <laughs> Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield, and the next next part of the video or the next part of the gift, just say, "You called your child India." I <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, didn't. I should have checked up on what her response to that was. Who gives a fuck? Kate I'm Hawk- pretty sure she's banned she's off Twitter anyway. A, oh, I th- I'm sure you might be right now, but she's such a fucking dumpster fire of a human being. It's quite funny to go see what she's reacting, like yeah. how she's reacting to news. It's like, bro, what what is wrong with you? No race? one values your opinions. That's why you got kicked off of all British media. <laughs> Speaking of not valuing anyone's opinions, the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I did see that the guy that directed Parasite got a few Oscars. So, yeah. But, uh, I'm not even going to try and uh, say his name, but uh, Edgar Wright was a huge kind of, prop up of that guy's like dude this guy is the next big thing get behind them and i think he took two oscars away i think so yeah yeah joker only took one away which was kind of a no, surprise to me they got two best actor and best score best original score all right yeah um, my copy of joker arrived today <laughs> nice i, ne- I uh, need to watch it my next this, day off is wednesday so i'll probably watch it a couple times the next Fish podcast will be sponsored by the joker and which time goes dude <laughs> <laughs> You undersold it. I'm like, I know I did. I really had to. You've got to undersell that movie. Yeah. Um, and then, what was the other one? There was uh, Taika Waititi walked away with... Uh, uh, best, best screen adapt- adaptive, uh, adaptation. Yeah. So he walked away with that one for Jojo Rabbit. Um, I had uh, lunch with my grand the other day and tried to explain the plot of Jojo Rabbit to her. <laughs> She's like, oh, you've eaten the cinema recently? I'm like, yeah, I went and saw a movie. What was that about? Oh, I'm going to have to explain Jojo Rabbit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It's about a guy who imagines he sees Hitler, but don't worry, it's a comedy. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, hard, it's a hard sell, but it was worth it. You but. can imagine, like, you're having trouble selling it to family members. Can you imagine how much trouble Taika Waititi had going into a studio? It's a universal movie. Yeah. Univer- <laughs> I'm going to the office of Universal going, so, I have this <laughs> comedy film <laughs> about a kid whose imaginary friend is Hitler. I reckon you sell every other part of the movie and then you yeah. drop the Nazi Hitler angle yeah. at the end. You, so it's about a guy 
is about a kid struggling to come to terms with uh, some questions about race and religion and stuff and uh, he's an imaginary friend that helps guide him and stuff and we, we discover whether or not the friend is leading him down the right or wrong path and then when I've got Scarlett Johansson attached she's going to play the kid's mother she's a single mother she's strong trying to fulfill both roles as mother and father in the household it's going to be great I really think everybody's going to love it sounds great and there's Nazis what? <laughs> set in uh, Nazi Germany yeah, set in <laughs> Nazi Germany um, oh did hmm. I mention Steve Merchant's in the movie? Steve I got him yeah, he, Sam Rockwell he's in there too he's gonna be creepy <laughs> everybody will be doing great jobs but everybody's also kind of gonna be a Nazi yeah. so just let's take it back a couple steps the <laughs> Nazi Germany part are you 100% on this one we can make it Germany that has Nazis in it <laughs> We, and if you're not comfortable with the phrase Nazi era Germany we can say Germany in the Nazi era <laughs> <laughs> we can truly shuffle those words it's gonna be fine it, that's why it's an adaptive screenplay. Nah, I get it. I get see. It. Yeah, we, we got this. Uh, yeah, I, I think my last tweet before I went to bed last night was literally just fuck the Oscars. <laughs> I want to see the point in the Oscars. The Oscars, yeah. the Oscars to me is basically a massive online review. Whereas it's people just going, this film is worthy of an award. That film is worthy of an award. And ultimately it's just down to someone's opinion. And ultimately opinions are just... Massively like, variable things. So why should someone else's opinion be the final say in awarding something, awarding a movie this big prestigious award? Ultimately, the Oscars lost all fucking credibility uh, with me when they gave Suicide Squad an Oscar. Yeah, for best makeup. Yes, dude, you <laughs> look like a Goomba, and I'm not talking a Goomba from the the video games. I'm talking about a Goomba from the horrible uh, late eighties, early nineties action movie with. John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I want to... When it comes to reviews, all I think of... It's, yeah, you're right. The Oscars are just basically the, the review summary of Hollywood movies by Hollywood. Mm. And I don't care for Hollywood's opinion on a lot of things. So when it comes to the idea... I mean, just reviews in general are completely... Not completely nonsense. But at the same time, go and find your favourite movie right now on something like an IMDb... Um, something like just a general Rotten Tomatoes review site, something like that. Just go look at the one star reviews and the five star reviews and realize that your favorite film can have a five and one star review yeah. from different people. Yeah, I mean, we, it can be similar to that when you realize there are people out there that reviewed, I forgot what film was it that came out, that everyone just fucking loved, but it was probably one of the worst movies ever. I, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That movie is bad. Yes. That movie is fucking really, really bad. That film got like 90 plus on Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb, it was like 8.5. Then mm. there was virtually no one-star reviews on that thing. Everyone was saying, this movie is fucking great. It, it tells Freddie Mercury's story like it is. Then, you know, every single other person just going, did you see the same movie? Did we see the same <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody? Because I did not see a five-star movie. Yeah, I, I, Maybe three and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're being very positive, three and a half, but... Yeah, I, it's uh, it's uh, cause it's interesting because it, it happens a lot in the anime community. There's the there's the mal site, uh, my anime list, which I, I'm on, and I re- I watch stuff and can use it the catalog of things I've reviewed. I actually talked to somebody recently who doesn't give them a review. He just uses it to chart what he watched, mm-hmm. just because he says I don't think I really want to sit and grade everything I've ever watched. I'm not thinking about it like that. I just want to know what I've watched in case someone asks me, "Have you seen this?" <coughs> I now have like a certified digital record, mm. and I was uh, find that interesting. And actually, right now, there's uh, something going on with the anime community in a, a show called Interspecies Reviewers. Okay. 
Um, it's a show. This <laughs> really bad. We've to try. Remember how I said I really enjoy Monster Musume. Yeah, for being that, that movie, that uh, show was a hard sell. In fact, no, that show wasn't the opposite of a hard sell. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Explaining the plot just diminishes that. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's basically cock tease with weird monster girls for like twelve episodes, and I fucking love it. Imagine there is no cock tease. There is just a guy going around banging different monster girls and giving them reviews based on attributes like, oh, are they welcoming? Are they comforting? Are they are they interesting to talk to afterwards? Are they flirty? Are they friendly? Or are they just got great tits? What's Were their the tendrils comforting during it? Yeah, I mean, to, to, well, episode three. Fucking hell. <laughs> episode three, they take gender flip potions and decide to get banged as girls in brothels. Just for fun. Just so they can review from a female perspective. A guy gets literally multiple penetrated by a tentacle monster. Just to find out how it feels. <laughs> now, Funimation, our beloved anime dubbing webs our anime dubbing company, decided to dub the show with English uh, voice actors, but also to censor the show to make it suitable for viewing. Jeez. At several points in the gender flip episode, they just put up a title card, a blank screen that says you can just enjoy this scene without the visuals because they're just not going to censor it. There's too much work to be done. <laughs> <laughs> so they just cut out an entire... They just put a massive overlay over it saying, like, here's a nice picture. Yeah, just just a blank card that just says with white text, we're not showing this. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how I said that uh, clips from Monster Musume appear uncensored on Pornhub? Whole episodes of Interspecies <laughs> Reviewers are up on Pornhub right now. <laughs> it is fucking hysterical. Because Funimation then said, look, we are not treating this show right. We are not treating our fans right. This show does not meet our standards. We are pulling the show from broadcast. We are taking it down. We won't be showing it anymore. We won't be dubbing it anymore. The fan reaction was, are you fucking kidding me? This show is amazing. <laughs> it's funny when it's censored. It's funny when it's not censored. It's just fucking weird. It's it's well worth a watch if you get the chance and you're not going to, like, if you're not eating at the time watch a fucking episode because it's so ridiculous you wouldn't believe it. weirdest, I, I wouldn't even say, I think that is the weirdest. That is the, definitely the weirdest <laughs> review of a show you've ever given me. A really good show. Don't watch it when you're eating your dinner. That's just, like, it's a bad idea. You're going to just have a sausage in your hand and think, ew. <laughs> sitting there about to chow down a sausage roll, just, nope. Nope, nah, nah, I'm <laughs> Any good. Nap. But the um, the response to that from the community was generally just, what the fuck, fun? Like, just, just fucking show the show. We're all here. We all want a freak show. We've already got the lube out. Just fucking give us the show. <laughs> and then at that point, a bunch of YouTubers decide, let's take the score, the review rating of the show and crank it up. We'll get all our subscribers, all our followers who are up for this, to, as a joke, to give it a 10-star rating and we'll put it to the top of my anime list. The top of my anime list is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood at 9. 2-2 two, two, I think mm-hmm. I've seen screenshots of interspecies reviewers at 9.28 but I haven't verified any of them <laughs> I know for a fact they got second place <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> it took it, and you could just watch it you'd, like, you'd go away from your screen like I, I gave him a 10 star review I did my part for the Republic of uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're creepy perverts I did my part and we, you would watch it. Were you there on review day? <laughs> I, I was. I did my duty by my country, good sir. <laughs> so everyone gives it a 10th review and you, you, you would just go away and be like, get 13th place. You go away and come back like an hour later, be at 5th place, and then 4th place, and then 3rd place. Just I get to 2nd place. And everyone's like, "Is it? are we actually going to do this thing? And then for some reason, the momentum just dropped. Uh, I don't know if everyone just kind of went, okay, it's not funny anymore. It got real fucking close, and I, I can't wait to see how this all turns out, because it's been such 
a shit post. The entire thing has just been an entire like fuck you to Funimation. <laughs> <laughs> like really, Funimation, you're going to drop the single greatest anime of all time as approved by my anime list. <laughs> <laughs> This peer-reviewed study shows that it is in peer-reviewed <laughs> study. indeed the greatest anime of all time. Ten thousand voters can't be wrong. <laughs> we surveyed a small group of. I genuinely think that the the average review is being dragged down by people saying this isn't funny, guys. I'm giving it one star just to fuck with you. <laughs> oh, fuck. So There's always some prick that's never in on the joke that says, oh, "I'm gonna." It's not good, you guys. We need to stop this. It's not funny. Like, fuck but, you. Go along with the joke. There's bro. a surprising number of people who are just not up for this joke at all, and I'm like, "Come on, guys. It's so fucking stupid." These guys <laughs> clearly do not appreciate good culture. <laughs> <laughs> they are not gentlemen of culture. The, the meme of gentlemen of culture <laughs> is just synonymous with that. Like, you watch the most horrific shit and be like, "Ah, I truly am a culture gentleman." <laughs> I have sat through this Oriental it's experience. To, it's getting to the point where the fucking normies are using that as well. Oh, that's so like, good. <laughs> I was in a, a Starbucks queue in Edinburgh in my uni and I got my drink and they went, oh, you have a, an iced tea. I see you're a gentleman of culture as well. It's like, this guy's wearing like, top to toe, very expensive clothes. I'm like, you're a normie. You don't watch fucking anime. You, can you say that without like... <laughs> you're not a weeb. I know you're Can kind. you say that without paying some kind of license fee to someone? Like, yeah. I used a meme, here's, an, here's a £25 to the anime community. Yeah. I, I, I said, bro, I get it. You watched Attack on Titan and you saw one Reddit post. Yeah, you watched, Calm yourself down. You watched <laughs> one episode of Dragon Ball Z when you were a kid. That does not qualify you as a Dragon Ball fan. Oh, if we're going to just say... I, I feel like we need to segue away from weird monster porn. I'm going to just see what it is. It's porn. It really is porn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you may as well call a spade a spade at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just say that uh, Dragon Ball Kakarot, the Dragon Ball Z story game, I guess it is a fighter it's game. Action RPG, I think they call it. Action JRPG. Uh, is apparently one of the best-selling Dragon Ball Z games, with the exception of Fighters. Yeah. Uh, it's something like 1.7 million units sold. I want to get a copy for yeah. one reason and one reason only. They put in the filler episode where Goku and Piccolo get their driver's license. Yes! And you can race Piccolo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, behold the first Jibberfish podcast episode featuring entirely just footage of that. <laughs> just we mean- put this up on YouTube and it's just a loop of like that level. <laughs> but as soon as I seen that, uh, it was my, my brother because he's uh, he he work, he's doing a lot of sort of long shifts just now so he gets like an hour and a half where he's breaking he just scans through Twitter so I get all this shit just direct feed to me Yeah. and he said he messaged me saying have you pre-ordered uh, Kakarot I went no nah, not yet I've, I was just going to leave it see how it is because it kind of just looked like another Xenoverse to me and yeah. I wasn't I'm not a fan of those games I wasn't sold on that when he said oh we're doing the story of Goku from the beginning I'm like because I saw it on TV mm. advertised on TV during a sports event I'm like Dude, we can't have the jocks find out the Dragon Ball Z is still a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, the jocks know. Like, there's there's people that play for the NF, like, people that play professional American football that are walking out with Goku under armor. And oh, I've, there are some guys who actually do like full Dragon Ball Z like poses as victory celebrations, and I'm like, nerd. He's just look at Xavier Woods, and any time yeah. he does anything uh, for the WWE, he's he's got some kind of Dragon Ball show on. But yeah, but. Uh, Right, so he sent me the message saying, "If you haven't, if you weren't considering getting Kakarot, you probably will now." And he sent me the gif of Goku and Piccolo in those weird hover cars just slamming at each other, <laughs> and it had like the game HUD over it. And I was like, "I'm gonna buy it." Like, <laughs> it was an immediate, "Yeah, I'm, I'm buying this. I, I'm buying this one." So I, I was quite happy with that though, because it's it's good to see Dragon Ball make come back, and it's it's old school Dragon Ball Z the way we all remember it. There's yeah. no weird stuff about the the super like the. The content there, yeah, the, like the super Dragon Balls and, and God powers. I was actually thinking about this recently. I fucking love Dragon Ball Z, 
but see the super stuff i think if it were to say this is not canon or this is just a little side shoot stuff i think i'd be okay with it super's good and i had a lot of fun with it it's good i want to see more of it just to see how it ends yeah. up but, but if you would you me- be annoyed if it didn't happen no yeah that- I'm, I'm quite good at saying you can have good stuff followed by bad stuff and you can just say the bad stuff i consider my end point to be x and yeah. for me it is going to be episode like 296 uh, at the end of the boo saga yeah when they oh, when they just have the party nope before that before just, that you don't need that party there's like, like there's a perfectly good ending like two episodes before and for some reason they tack on and like a yeah party they kept it going because they i think the original run of dragon ball z they were preparing for gt so they tried to set up extra shit where it's oob shows up and then goku, yeah. goku changes gi to signify that we're yeah. doing another one Oh yeah, that's what it is actually. The, the, like two ninety six is a party at the end. Yeah, and then there's two more episodes. Because right, Goku that. shows up late or some shit like that because he was saving up an egg. Yeah, for some, I think it was just a, a throwback to old Dragon Ball. Yeah, just to show that Goku's still a kind heart. So yeah, yeah. Speaking uh, of the end of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z abridged. Uh, yeah, I think we very, should very just, good segue. Like do, props on that one. It was a good yeah, segue. I, I just <laughs> I forced these things to happen to come hell high water. Um, I. I, we watched this this morning, we just sent text back yeah. forward and I just saw the, the thumbnail pop up saying that Team 4 Star will now no longer be producing any more Dragon Ball Z abridged content. They are done with the fran- or they're done with the franchise, they want to do something new. They discovered this really when they tried to make a Bojack movie uh, based on yeah. one of the offshoot movies and just could not make it work. Yeah, I think it was uh, Lanny Pator that said that he just, this was killing their passion for Dragon Ball, which if you create a, a YouTube channel that with the specific reason of doing Dragon Ball based content and you have run that channel for 11 years yeah they're all 11 years at this point and one thing manages to ruin that for you I think it's time to stop doing or trying to force that one thing and they've been very smart in saying that it may not technically be this one thing but this one thing is a big indicator of other problems yeah and that is that they are burnt out after doing the same project for 11 years yeah and it, it's a shame to watch it but if you put it in the context of Lan Epitor's fucking epic dig at scrubs it makes a lot of sense where he says yeah. if you watch the last season of scrubs it is the most universally hated series of television ever made hmm. and it's from one of the most beloved franchises of tv ever made yeah and there is no way in hell i'm doing that i'm doing one more season as a cash grab to ruin something like dbz bridge yeah even if it was going to be in a new format and i don't think there's any a fan out there that was going to say, oh, you guys are fucking, you are, he's a bailing out, he's a coward, why he's not continuing the show? I don't think there's any fan that would look at their situation and think, yeah, they're just, they're bailing out. I think most people would understand that creative burnout is a thing and when yeah. you've been doing something very, very singularly for a while, mm-hmm. that, that has been a core focus of Team Four Star for such a long time because I've done other things that aren't really as involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Final Fantasy of Machina, Machina Bridge is probably the most labor intensive thing after that the shorts don't take much because they're not really developed by the guys in house yeah it's all animated by people out, out with so it's an animated thing and they're they're offshoots they're team four star gaming stuff it is a fun live stream but it is another gaming live stream if yeah it's so easy i can literally do it i mean you can just have an easy setup and if you're guys who are that experience in web production as they are mm. they are miles ahead of most other people as far as production and polish and they say we will not be able to bring that production and polish to yeah. the boo saga we're just going to call it there and if you watch the ending of uh part 60 uh, episode 60 part three or whatever it mm. is that is a fan like when they describe it saying this is our love letter to akira toriyama and dragon ball yeah 
that works. Yeah, that, it really does work. That ending is, is the sort of perfect cap on it because it, it ends where I think the show should have ended. Really, with Go, yeah. Goku saying, "Right, I had my story. I'm leaving it to you." And then yeah. see for then. And there's there's all these theories as well that the Dragon Ball Z original show should have ended after Frieza, yeah. and then should have ended after Cell. Yeah, and I don't think that, afterwards was a tagged on thing. I don't even think that was a theory. That was a. Akira Toriyama saying he didn't really want to do much after he wanted to do Freezer. Freezer was meant to be the last villain, but it was meant to end with Goku going Super Saiyan one, and that yeah. was meant to be the big mythical final transformation. Mm-hmm. Goku's reached his peak, but then I think uh, the publishers of would it be Toy? No, Toy is the animation studio. Whoever was publishing the Dragon Shonen Jump, Shonen Jump. Yeah. Right. I, if, if I remember right, they said. This is really popular. Could you do another one? And they say, okay, I could maybe crank out another one. Then you get the androids and you get Cell. Which is weird because those are probably the most iconic part of the franchise. Yeah. If you don't... Oh, dude, the Cell saga, yeah. hands down, is the best saga of Dragon Ball Z. If you've ever seen the show, you will have seen the Frieza saga. You will have seen the, like, 50-episode battle on fucking Namek. Yeah. Where the planet's going to explode in five minutes, but will also last for six episodes <laughs> from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dragon Ball Z time is a totally different record of time because yeah. Goku gets brought back for 24 hours. And that's 18 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, those 18 episodes are like half a day on Namek. <laughs> None of it makes any sense, kids. Yeah. You're just along for the ride. Yeah, just along for cool energy battles and yeah. spiky hairdos. This is the shit. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, yeah. So the universal love for Dragon Ball is kind of... Keeping that alive would be, in my mind, is, is way more important than trying to, you know, force something. But I, I do think that if we're going to talk about does Super deserve to exist... You need more content. We can't just keep milking Z and because yeah. the thing is, it's only Z that gets milked like this. I've never seen. Yeah, Dragon Ball was the original. Is Dragon Ball doesn't get games, doesn't get any more movies, yeah. any more projects done. Super is the continuation of the franchise. Yeah. If that means they're doing it for the love or for the money, it's you know it is whatever yeah. it is. I mean, I say that I could do, I could do without it in the sense that like, I'm glad that it's here. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I've, I fucking loved uh, Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT left such a bad mm-hmm. taste in my mouth. They were just thinking, is this how we're going to end? Is yeah. this going to be the, the full stop on the end of the Dragon Ball saga? And then when Super came along, I was like, okay, this is actually good. There's a bit of rough animation in there, but mm. they polished it out by the time <laughs> it got to us. Yeah. Uh, Vegeta's weird, like, twist round hand thing. They got rid of that. That was fucking weird. It was like Goku's, like, three-line face or whatever it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. At one point, he had one eye and some kind of weird L for a nose. It was like, yeah. Someone phoned the fucking... <laughs> someone phoned this one in. Admittedly, you should never pause animation and judge it on the, uh, the yeah. bits between major keyframes. But yeah. holy crap, there were some interesting yeah, images bad. in there. There were some horrific nightmares in there, but at the same time, it's yeah. worth a look. Yeah. It'd be cool to see. What I really want to see is maybe not DLC for Kakarot, but maybe some kind of super involvement. Mm. Maybe, I think it, fuck, it probably would be DLC is the only way they could do it. Or maybe a sequel where it's just, right, see happen, let's do Dragon Ball Super Kakarot. Like, yeah. See what happens then. I think I would like to com- do a, a segment of a game where you just fight in the tournament of power. Yeah. Like do the kind of massive tiers or maybe just like you do kind of segments of the game where like you, you do the fight with Gohan and Piccolo against the Earth uh, Universe 8 or 7, no, Universe 6 Namekians, mm-hmm. where they basically just fused with an entire planet so they have the power of about a billion Namekians <laughs> and two people. Yeah. I think that's the, the interesting part for me is if we don't have any more new content being made through the manga through the anime we just have nothing else to yeah. go back on the, the, I mean there's the Heroes game that exists in its own little yeah. parallel universe but that's which so is just, 
It's a cash grab. It is a cash grab. It's a definitive cash grab. It's basically... You remember when you were younger talking about Dragon Ball Z and you knew about characters like Broly and you knew about characters like... Um, I also super fixed Broly. That's how we need... We need super just for that alone. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. true. I mean, like, just as a kind of point of clarification, I'm not saying that super shouldn't exist. I'm just saying if it didn't exist, I think I'd be okay with it. Like, I'm happy for yeah. them to put more content out there, but if super yeah. didn't exist, I'd be okay. We, we had a... Yeah. Dragon Ball Z was good. We do remember, though, that we existed for a long while without... After super... After Z ended, yeah. there was a good 10, 15... I think... Battle of the Gods was 15 years after the end yep. original and then we were fine for those 15 years but I still think of the joy we had when we're like dude there's new Dragon Ball stuff yeah, <laughs> that yeah was, definitely that was, a, that was a moment of being of like texting you and being like dude the resurrection Goku's gonna be a thing again <laughs> <laughs> Goku's getting super saiyan god powers what the fuck is that what does this, what does this mean what does it mean you know and now he's gonna yeah. be in the Olympics this year yeah oh yeah fuck yeah which makes a lot of sense. That's cool. He will he will be at the Olympics because he is a hero that gains power through training. Yeah. If you ever want to teach kids about the importance of training for sports, martial arts, yeah. or whatever, not a bad character. Yeah, Goku is pretty much the way to go. I mean, if you want to teach him about parenting, he's a horrific character. Yeah. But at the same time, if you want to teach him about just learning how to throw a good punch. Yeah. For you who done it better, for you who done it better. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, that's true. This time you do the segue. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I had another point though. But, but, yeah. We need, we need to put in something that fill in all this dead air while I remember about something to talk about. Eh, fuck. I suppose I can use this point to segue into talking about Dragon Ball Fighters. Because yeah. Here comes a new challenge. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so. Speaking of Dragon Ball games that actually sell it, copies. Yeah, and it's been selling a shit ton more copies because of the characters that they just announced. Uh, they announced two Dragon Ball Super characters. Right. Uh, one being another Goku. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we love Goku. We just talked about how much we love Goku yeah, for like, like five you minutes. You can't hate Goku. He's a bit thick. He might be mentally handicapped. He did land on his head as a kid. Several times. <laughs> at the same time, you cannot keep selling as Goku again and yeah. again. But this time it's Master Doctor Instinct Goku and he can dodge attacks. I don't know how many times he can dodge attacks. Okay, but now you have my attention. <laughs> yeah, but it, I think they're working in some kind of mechanic with Ultra Instinct Goku that he can just dodge certain moves. I think it'll probably have to tie in his uh, meter use. Yeah. But it'll be cool to see how that how that goes. And in general, the idea that Goku now has the power level of an actual god, not a Saiyan equivalent of a god, but an no. actual, in the pantheon of gods, god. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It and should be pretty game-breaking, but at the same time, Ultra Instinct hurts him so fucking bad yeah. in the anime and in the in the manga. It really does take everything out of him. Yeah, that, that was also another uh, mechanic that people were talking about because uh, if you haven't watched Dragon Ball Super... Quite frankly, why are you listening? Uh, <laughs> no, all are welcome, all are welcome. Uh, but in the Dragon Ball Super anime, spoilers, uh, Goku finally achieves this form of the gods that even the destructor gods, them, the gods of destruction themselves, struggle to attain. It's mm-hmm. kind of, this is how angels, like Whis, just they just are. This is, they're in a constant state of ultra instinct. Goku finally achieves this. He fights Jiren, but the whole, the heel of uh, Goku is that he's too lenient. Mm-hmm. And when he's fighting Jiren and he's about to deliver the death blow, we think, because he charges up something that kind of looks like he's about to give him some energy, mm-hmm. fire him, fire off a pearl of energy at him, and then he his whole back just kind of erupts with blood, and then he gets this weird kind of dark energy pouring off him because he's basically forced this god en- energy into his body, and he's a human, so it just kind of erupts in him. Mm. And seeing that shit was pretty cool. So how we will play in the game might have some kind of mechanic like that. Yeah. Like, so maybe if you use a certain attack, your power goes through the roof, but your health just slowly drains away. 
I think it would be a case of you're now going to be on a superior level where everything you hit is going to rupture and just burst and you're going to take massive damage, but you yourself will take a constant drip of damage. Yeah. And who's the other character? The other character is a much, much requested character, even since uh, the second Fighters Pass, and that was a Kefler. The fusion of the two female Saiyans oh, from right, yeah. Universe 6. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Kale and Cauliflower. Yes. I think Cauliflower is the female Broly, or the female Berserker Saiyan. They, they're never, like, they're obviously... No, Kale is the female. Uh, there's little hints that these are, like, kind of based on the idea of, oh, what if there was a female Broly, but they're never actually identified as that. Like, there's yeah. a benevolent Frieza, but he's not an actual Frieza. He's Frieza, he's of the Frieza race. Yeah, it's just called, in the canon, Frieza's race, because they haven't come up with a proper name for it yet. And also, you know, when your race is the Galactic Emperor, you kind of just get called the Galactic yeah, Emperor's just, name. You know? Yeah, I'm part of Frieza's crew. Don't fuck yeah, me. Part of Frieza's race. What about it? Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? So yeah, they're, they're putting the, the fusion character between those two. Yeah, and it just looks like one of those characters where they just have way too much fun with it. Let's make this ridiculously fast character and let's <laughs> see how people can deal with it. Like all of our uh, super moves just cover whole screens. Oh. Like there's a, a move that she uses in Dragon Ball Super against not uh, just like sort of base level Ultra Instinct Goku before he masters it completely. So he's just yeah. got the black hair instead of the weird silver do. He does it once by accident. Yeah. And everyone's like, wait, what did you do? And he's like, wait, what did I do? <laughs> and the second time he's like, I'm going to die. Wait, no, hold on. I got this. I got it. <laughs> Toriyama hand job. <laughs> Zenkai boost. <laughs> Toriyama hand job. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's no difference in these pictures. It's like the office picture. The office picture means like Corporate wants you to tell the difference between these two pictures. There's no difference. <laughs> There's the exact same picture. But yeah, and then he fights a uh, the fusion of uh, Kale and Cauliflower, Kefla, and she basically come, like, starts pouring out all this energy and she just starts shooting off this kind of red death beam thing. Yeah. And she just starts firing these kind of big three lasers across the screen. Uh, she does that, and if she does it in the middle of the screen in the game, she's hitting everyone. Like, <laughs> she's yeah. hitting every any character, no matter where they are on the fucking screen. It is insane. But I'm quite glad to see that at least one of my favourite fighting games from the past decade is adding in more female characters. Because yeah. we had Videl in the last season pass, we had Android 21, Android 18, and now we're getting Kefla. So, like, at least they're actually saying, like, we're not shying away from female characters, we're going to add them in. We just have, like, 20 more copies of Goku. Yeah, we're just going to add in a few more Gokus. Because like, I think at this point, there's been a Goku in every single DLC uh, pass that I've bought. <laughs> in DLC 1, it was base level Goku, which I don't want a fucking base level Goku. <laughs> I'm fighting gods. I don't like, need that. I have Super Saiyan Blue Goku. I have Vegito. I have Gogeta. Yeah. That's like three god level Gokus there. I don't need a base level Goku. Yeah. And then in uh, Fighters Pass 2, there was GT Goku. And I was like, okay, that's base level GT go- Goku. I want none of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the kid? Yeah. Oh. Turns out, one of the best characters in the game. I don't know how I feel about that. I'll be entirely honest with you. It may, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all because he's another uh, Yoda character. Ah, right. You remember uh, Soul Calibur 4, how they added in the Star Wars characters? Vaguely, yes. Yoda was ridiculously hard to fight because he was so small Yeah. that all your heavy sword characters would literally swing over his head. Like you could not hit him if you used certain characters. Ah, that's and that's what GT Goku's like. He's so quick and so small, you just kind of pass under most of if you, if you balance it right, it's fine. But if you just have, if you've got to kind of lean into the character yeah. a certain amount to allow it to happen. But oh, the balancing thing is that he can't take no damage. He's got very little health because ah, he's a child. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're a child. I would just punch you. Yeah. Go down. <laughs> Fair enough, you can transform into Super Saiyan 4 Goku, but you need to kill your two other characters to do that. Because yeah. he had a cool mechanic where if you lose one character when he did his like Kamehameha, he would turn Super Saiyan 3. Mm-hmm. Then if you lost another character and it was just a GT Goku left during his uh, level 3 attack, he would turn Super Saiyan 4. Hmm. Which was pretty cool, but I don't like characters where you have to eliminate your two other backup characters to make him viable in the game. Well, surely you just send them first. Yeah, but uh, and when I was using him, I had two other characters that I was good with. Ah. So I thought, right, I'm not going to sacrifice Bardock and I play with Adult this. Gohan yeah. okay. to get or to make uh, GT Goku viable, hence why he got benched. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this. But speaking of fighting games, I saw uh, you and Argy having to talk about the games that were going to be up on uh, the EVO stage this yep. year. And EVO is a weird one because it's a fighting game tournament that draws in millions of viewers. Yeah, uh, the EVO uh, fight, the Evo tournament is something that I've tuned into uh, as much as I can. If I can't watch it live, which is most years because it's in America and it starts at 6 o'clock. Do you mean you're not willing to stay up till 3 in the morning, sir? I can't do. I can stay up till three o'clock in the morning. I get to ten. I'm like, I'm sleepy. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tuckered out. That's what drinking is for. I haven't drank in a while. Yeah. Although I did drink during the Scotland England, the Scotland Ireland game because that I needed that. Yeah. And we'll get back to rugby in a minute. Don't you yeah, worry, we kids. We'll get Don't back you to fucking that. worry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the Evo uh, main stage is always there's always just a a stage that will show the absolute cream of the crop in terms of people competing in those games. Mm-hmm. Because you've always got a Smash Bros mainstay, and this year I'm happy to say they've seen sense and they've brought Smash Bros Ultimate back. They're not bringing me- uh, Melee back because they want to s- display it in you know <laughs> 1080p high definition so that people at home can see it instead yeah. of on a tiny little CRT screen where people are going, oh, who's he playing as? It could be uh, Mario or it could be Kirby. I can't fucking tell the screen. Oh, that's just a smudge on the screen. Never mind. Oh, no, he's wiped chocolate on that. Ah, fuck. <laughs> no, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> God damn it, smelly fucking Smash, Smash fans just wiping shit all over the screen. And you also need to know, if this is like a live stage event, you do need to project that up onto like a 50-foot monitor or 50-foot yeah. screen. Yeah, and in general, I think uh, just how many games or how, how many copies of Smash Ultimate were sold kind of guarantees it's got a place on the evil main stage moment. There's Melee, because Melee sold well. Melee was a fucking huge game when it first came out in the GameCube. It sold units. Mm-hmm. But Smash Bros. Ultimate has become the quickest selling fighting game of all time. Even overtaking Street Fighter 2. Damn. Which is a feat in of itself. Yeah, that's a big legacy. Yeah, and it, I mean, with the characters that they're putting out, people are just going, yeah, this is great. So yeah, I understand that uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate is there. They've got Dragon Ball Fighters there. Yeah. That's where the announcement about Ultra Goku and Kefla was made. Uh, Tekken 7 is back. They've got uh, Soul Calibur 6. They've got a game that I have no idea where it came from called Undernight in Birth. It's an anime fighter made by Arc System Works, the guys that make Guilty Gear and Dragon Ball. Huh. Uh, I've never heard of that either. No, I mean, neither. It, just, it popped up. I was like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> who the f- why are you playing with the big boys? Who's that unit of the big boy pen? Whose man is this? <laughs> like, yeah. Who left this child here? Who's <laughs> left this special child here? <laughs> just like the main character is some kind of weird blonde kid with an oversized katana. I'm like, that could be anybody. <laughs> that could be me. I don't know anyone. That could be a persona character that just wandered into the wrong game. And uh, the game that is genuinely annoying me because I personally think it's one of the worst games of all time fight me tooth and nail on this I promise I will respect your opinion but you're wrong uh, it's Marvel vs Capcom 2 I think you've explained enough about that to me I think it was in private you've explained most of this but the way you've described this game as being basically broken in a very fundamental way it's broken and yeah 
Exactly, to a T. It's broken in a very fundamental way, but people love it because you can control the chaos. You can you can exper- <laughs> you can manipulate the chaos. I'm like, that's just a bad game. Like, that's just a broken game. And it, I don't like the way it looks either because the the character sprites are always something that I look to in a game as being, you know, of really good quality. Yeah. Like, especially if you play a lot of fighting games. Uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike has some of the best sprite work of all time. Mm-hmm. because even on the Dreamcast, they could do it in such a way where not the character would move and as he punches, you can see the ripple going down his back, uh, down the back of his uh, karate gi. Oh, right. As he's moving, you see the, the clothes moving as well. Mm. Street Fighter 3 Third Strike came out before Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and it looks better than it. Jeez. <laughs> Every subsequent port of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 have used the exact same sprites and they are starting to look fucking horrible. So you've got Street Fighter Alpha 2 Akuma, who is right. a very tiny sprite next to uh, X-Men Children of the Atom Cyclops who's fucking huge like Cyclops is meant to be what 6 foot 1 Akuma's meant to be the 7 foot beast <laughs> there's just the disparity between the sprite sizes so basically it sounds like it was a, if, I've been trying to figure out why it sounds like it's a broken game and no oh, that and the game of. itself is riddled with infinite combos mm-hmm. if you play a character called Servbot which is from a Mega Man game mm-hmm. you're that small you can't be hit and you can just keep spamming 3 moves and, and you just lock them into this yeah. lock them into this combo, and uh, if you play Magneto, Sentinel, and Psylocke, you're pretty much unbeatable because they all have infinites, and they're all a. Uh, I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure all three of the infinites are uh, tournament safe, so all they're right. pretty much allowed in tournaments. And uh, there's so many like little broken aspects that players can exploit in between each character, and I get most people who are listening to this that like Marvel vs. Capcom two are probably just thinking, "Well, get better at the game." I don't want to get better at the game. Like, <laughs> I don't like Marvel vs. Marvel Capcom 2. I think they've done it better. And Mar- even the one that came before that, Marvel vs. Capcom 1, infinitely better game, smaller roster. And I think that's maybe where the uh, the problems with Marvel vs. Capcom 2 lie. Because they went from a roster of, I think, maybe 24 characters in the first game to a roster of about 58 in the second game. And they literally just yeah. went... Let's bring in all these Street Fighter characters from other games. Let's bring in all these other X Men characters. Let's yeah. bring in all these. Let's bring in fucking uh, Mega Man characters. Thor. Let's bring in other Mega Man characters. Like who the fuck's a self bot? Bring them in anyway. We'll program. And just what the do you know? There's nobody would know this off the top of head, but development time on that game. Oh, it came out quick. It came right. out really quick because that was my issue. Was it sounds rushed? It sounds uh, like there wasn't time to balance things, especially if you've got a larger roster than yeah. you're used to. MVC one came out very early into the Dreamcast cycle because it was remember one of the, it was I remember it being one of the first Dreamcast games that I actually bought, and then not too long after that, Marvel vs Capcom two came out. I want to say it's celebrating its twentieth anniversary this year, so I think uh, MVC two probably the very early two thousands because hmm. I think MVC one was nineteen ninety eight, right? I'm pretty positive maybe ninety ninety seven ninety eight. So then you've got two years in between those two. And this isn't like peak era Capcom, is it? This No, this is Cap God era. This is Capcom where they just they could do no wrong. Right. And to me, Marvel vs. MVC one. 2 was the first misstep because yeah. those games they had at that time, you had uh, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, you had Dino Crisis, you had Power Stone, you had Dino Crisis 2, you had all these fucking big hitting games. Then you've got MVC 2. It's like, dude, you were doing so fucking well <laughs> and you had really good shit planned in the future. I mean, from MVC2, Capcom then go on to make just a fucking slew of killer games. Yeah. Like Street Fighter 4, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5, uh, fucking 
a shit ton of weird obscure Mega Man titles that <laughs> no one but me will fucking recognise. <laughs> and yeah, MVC2 just signified a real, real big misstep. And it kind of got me thinking why they put it in the game. The obvious reason is it's, it's a popular game. I can't stand it, but a lot of people love it. A, a lot of people, this is their sort of childhood. This is what they saved up money to buy, or this is what they saved up their quarters. 25 cents, that's a quarter in America? Yeah. yeah. They saved up the quarters to go to the local arcade and play match after match of uh, MVC2. This is a big thing for them. So this is why I was kind of thinking, I don't want it to be there, but I'm one person against thousands, like yeah. <laughs> millions at this point, the people that want to see and, this game. And also it's a Dreamcast game and the people who are Dreamcast fans are so fanatical because in the first great console war, those guys took it in the ass. Let's be yeah, honest. Dreamcast fans, they, we got shafted. We got fucked up. <laughs> you guys went up against the PlayStation 1. <laughs> yeah, we did not do well in that one. You, you, you were like pre-steroids... Captain America. Yeah, going Versus up against... Mike Tyson. <laughs> going up against Thanos. <laughs> Just getting wailed on for like decades. Yeah, it was not... But that's the thing. On a technical level, the Dreamcast was the infinitely more powerful console. Yeah. Which just proves to me that it is nowhere... It's nothing to do with hardware. It's all to do with catalogue. If you've got good games, that's going to sell the console. Which is why PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 have always sold fucking great. Catalogue and price. Yeah, definitely. I remember the Dreamcast being Dreamcast way too expensive. Was in dollars, three ninety nine. Yeah. So uh, before you came, I was watching a video about Shenmue because I've been watching people. Oh, I bought up. Shenmue. How the fuck can people play that game? It is unplayable. Well, if you think that's bad, people love Shenmue One. Yeah. People are now lining up to dunk on Shenmue Three. It is savage. It yeah. is cold on these streets for Shenmue Three. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. It is horrific to watch people who say. I've been a lifelong fan. I sold my third child to pay for the game. I've put in the Kickstarter, I've put in 10 grand. I owe, I am owed a personal apology. Here's how I think about Shenmue, and it will just be page after page after page. No, vitriol. Hate, just hate speech, almost. It's, it borderlines on hate speech when it comes to uh, the Shenmue franchise. But I was watching somebody explain that Sega was on a, like a tear by going up and saying, Nintendo are a bunch of pussies, they make games for children, we're the game company for badasses. And they just rampaged for years against Nintendo. Mostly in America. And in Japan, it was kind of 50-50. But then, out of nowhere... Yeah, Sega kind of went on yeah. this whole... Like, even with the Genesis, they were like, Genesis does what Nintendo don't. Yeah, the Nintendo don't campaign yeah, was and then, a huge win for them. But by the time it came to the uh, to the UK, we were like, okay, Genesis doesn't really work because it's still it's biblical. Can we call it something else? Like, yeah, sure, we'll call it the Mega Drive. Like, well, that kind of fucks up our slogan campaign. So... Yeah. Uh, Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We're, we're not going to go to war with Nintendo in the in the EU. But the uh, the, the win there was um, that Sega, it was like an E3, Sega came out and said, we're going to sell the console for three ninety nine, and then a Sony executive walks up a week later and says, we'll sell you the PlayStation 1 for two ninety nine. Bombs dropped, yeah. that's it, game Mike over, go drop, home, pack yeah. up your shit and go, you yeah. fuck off Sega. We got them boys, we got them. <laughs> Mission accomplished. We Mission won. accomplished. Just light the cigar, but eagle noises. <laughs> Flag appears out of nowhere. Some guy's just waving it. Uh, but that's the thing. The Dreamcast dropped so quickly in price; it was scary. Because I remember yeah. it being about two hundred and fifty, three hundred pounds, and you were getting the usual Sonic Adventure One, Space Channel Five, and Sega Bass Fishing for three hundred. Then you were getting that for two fifty. Sega Bass Fishing, yes, kids. Fishing games are real. Fishing games, tennis games, rally games. Sega made them all. (laughs) But then it just kind of went slowly down to the point where I got my Dreamcast a year later for 100. I'm pretty sure it might have actually been 99 quid. Shit. It it dropped quickly. It was like the uh, PlayStation Classic. Mm -hmm. That started off at, uh, I think it was 
150 now it's like 100 I'm pretty sure it's settled <laughs> at 50 quid now because no one fucking wants them as in the the micro console yeah the micro console yeah PlayStation uh, oh yeah we talked about that a couple yeah the Legacy weeks. Classic yeah. yeah people are buying it just because the uh, the internals or something they are buying it for one specific game that wasn't re-released or something or they wanted a, an original PlayStation 1 version of Final Fantasy 7 Oh, and then right. they bought it and played it. It's like this doesn't really work all that great. I'm just going to emulate it. <laughs> this is not as good as I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was even more, even more of a slap to the face to Sony is that someone took the software from the the PlayStation Classic and ran it through a Nintendo Entertainment System Classic, oh, and it ran better. Yeah, I remember and that then one. Sony just went, "Well, fuck you guys. Why are you breaking my stuff? Because <laughs> you broke it first, bitch. We're breaking. <laughs> fuck you. We're breaking it again to fix it. It's like breaking someone's leg to reset it. Yeah." <laughs> Maybe that's why Sony have just went, fine, fuck it, you're getting Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I think they're getting that one because it will print money. Yeah, they, it's not like they need money. Mm, I don't know. Sony have been doing pretty okay. Like, Despite the fact that they're not going to E3 in some kind of hip, hipster protest. They're not you? doing it again this year. Yeah, they're I think not, that's fucking retarded. It's stupid. It's working though. Because that's to an extent. I, they I, come out a week before, they spend a tenth of the price. Compared to what... I'm they used to do it all in-house, I know. Do it all in-house, make some videos, send them out. Fans going well. The, mm. the fans can't really attend E3 anymore. Yeah, that's true. Because you get to fly to LA, attend a convention in LA, around, surrounded by press, all running to get the next exclusive. You can enjoy E3 more from the comfort of your own home than you can in yeah. LA. I think that's what... See, Nintendo still have a presence at E3, but they still do their main big press presentation from Nintendo. They do their Treehouse Live. Yeah. Like they they've not done a big present uh there's not press conference. the presidents and stuff like yeah. that to address the public and stuff. Then again, Doug Bowser might be doing that this year. Maybe that's his change. But uh, Reggie, when he was head of Nintendo America, he just said, "No, we'll we'll put the products out there on the sh- on the floor for people to play." But why don't you just do it all here? But that that's that typical kind of oddball Nintendo mentality of which is the products that they're talking. Yeah, you know, we need and to really then, say much. Then they drop shit like Panzer Dragoon and Smash Bros. Ultimate, and people go, "Yeah, Nintendo made the right call." But yeah. that's the thing: Sony aren't really announcing much that's getting people excited because they announced Ghosts of, Shish- Ghosts of Tsushima. Then people are going, "It looks cool, but you need to tell me more about it." But that's the thing: is they're about to go into the next generation of the console war. Yeah, that that that's the only thing that doesn't make sense: is not appearing last year. That's fine; you didn't really have that much. Yeah. But this year, we'd hope to see like an not actual a finished PS5. product, but like we'd hope to see a really good trailer video for like by the way this Christmas here it's coming yeah PlayStation you know, 5 maybe a working demo or two just yeah. so people can get their hands on it because we know the demo kits the spec kits are out there yeah it's kind of getting to the point where I'm not sure it, there's certain games coming out for the PlayStation that I'm not sure if I want to buy now or just wait till I get a PS5 because The Last of Us 2 is going to be good on PS4 that's going on PS5 yeah oh Naughty yeah. Dog and Sony working together print fucking money mm-hmm. so it's the same with the Uncharted games. I guarantee the Uncharted games are going to get ported over again to PS5. Same with Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. I think I need to see the PS5 as well because the, the Xbox Series X, which is a, just a stupid name, like, they, <laughs> yeah. need, they need to tighten up that name. Their naming convention just went out the window. Like, Xbox 360 yeah. to Xbox One. Okay, I guess we're resetting the franchise to make it into like Xbox One, Two, Three, Four. Yeah. Nah, just Xbox One and then proceed with a random letter. <laughs> this is not Xbox Series X. It's the Xbox One family. Who the fuck is naming it this? <laughs> <laughs> sort your shit out, mate. Bro, yep. your family's inbred. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you guys need help. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, my point, my point there was going to be that I don't like the look of the Xbox Series X. It's going to be a good console. Yes, but it looks like one of those little air freshener things that your mum leaves in the hallway. They just spritzes yeah. you whenever you walk past it. I I can get that a lot of people are just freaked out by why are they making consoles tall? Like yeah, it can also go on its side. I know I've heard that, and the Xbox design means you wouldn't really notice it that much. Mm. It is a bit of an odd choice, but at the same time. I'm now looking at it saying, I mean, I've got a gaming PC, I might just stick with that. Yeah. Or just proceed to upgrade that gaming PC because Microsoft, or last year in 2019, put in a lot of effort into saying we will now have transfer or we will now be supporting our PC game as much as uh, we will develop the Xbox console side of things. Yeah. Even get to the point where they're doing that, uh, the ultimate game pass where you can just play both. Like if you've got a game on Xbox, yeah. yeah. I've got that. That's only a, like five quid more than the regular Xbox. Yeah, and you and getting, it includes your Xbox Live. Yeah, and you were getting a getting a deal on it, a really really good deal on it. Yeah, the E3 conference made it an absolute fucking steal. And one thing I find interesting is that they made statements this week saying, uh, "We now no longer look at Nintendo and Sony as competitors. We're now looking at Amazon and Google." Yeah, which means they're looking more into digital streaming. Mm-hmm. Which means I mean, they are working on that with the Xbox One cloud gaming, yeah. which is where you can game through your phone if you attach an Xbox controller to it. Mm. Good fucking luck with that, I guess. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I still don't think cloud gaming and game and uh, consoles like Stadia are ever going to work until people get the internet speeds and the internet capabilities to support it. Stadia is Guys, a, Stadia launched, and no one cares. No one cares. The no biggest one, gaming revolution of all time. No one gives a shit. Flat on its face. No one, no one gives a shit. The ground's so hard, it's still bouncing. <laughs> bounce back up, it's coming down. It's terminal velocity, burning up on re-entry. Well, yeah, that's, that's how hard it hit the ground and bounced. It went back up and is now returning to the atmosphere <laughs> in terminal velocity. So bad. People were getting it for free because uh, Alana Pierce, through like just through her work and stuff, she was she was probably on the radar as someone that was going to get a copy of the Google Stadia play, and she said it's good at what it does but you need to have insanely high internet to do it. you need to have like no downloads going on nothing not even yeah. like something receiving internet turn the internet on your phone off yeah. just let it take all the bandwidth the it game i work with so set on it being a fucking masterpiece like did you read the specs 4k gaming 60 frames a second over an internet connection it's never gonna work nah. Like a like, wired nah, they've got it they've got it they're google they've, how could it possibly go wrong it went fucking horribly yeah, wrong it smacked them right in the face <laughs> do you see the delay on some of them they were no. playing there's a guy playing destiny on a laptop oh shit yeah yeah and he hit space to jump and it was like one two jump fucking <laughs> i did actually notice that like it was only now that i realized that when they upscale a game there tends to be a bit of delay in button inputs yeah like so if you go from there's an HD upscale. I if on the Uncharted collection, the Nathan Drake collection for PlayStation Four. Yeah. I'm playing through Uncharted Two right now, and I was noticing that whenever I was hitting the trigger button to shoot, it was like a good three seconds before I was actually shooting. It was like, mm. this is this is annoying. I play fighting games. This isn't good. <laughs> if I do if I, if I do a Hadouken, I need a Hadouken. Wait, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> but it was like Nathan Drake was sitting there with a gun out. I'd pull the L two trigger and it'd be. Well, that that is one of the many many things that drove you from Mortal Kombat is that the fact that you wouldn't have direct button input. Yeah, it was just that little half second takes you out of the game. Yeah, and it it doesn't make that much difference to most gamers. But then when you get into a point where you really just want to be in the moment, yeah, that delay will totally set you off. Yeah, and it 
quite quite glad that you said Mortal Kombat. I think subconsciously you were trying to bring us back to evil. But uh, yeah, yeah. MVC two is a game where I can understand why it's there, and I'm I'm happy for the people that like MVC two. I'm not going to watch it unless they announce a Marvel versus Capcom Legacy Collection or something for PlayStation Four, Xbox One, and Switch because. I'll buy that just to play Marvel vs. Capcom 1 again because that game's a fucking masterpiece. Uh, even MVC 3 that came out in the 360, I'll fucking gladly buy another copy of that. That game is insane. 2 and Infinite can just go and screech in the corner. They are, <laughs> I don't give a fuck about those games. Uh, that's, that's the only way I'd be watching anything to do MVC 2 at EVO. But a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, were complaining the f- about the fact that Mortal Kombat 11 was not announced at EVO. And I've got a pretty, pretty easy answer for you all. The games that are at Evo are good games. <laughs> oh shit! I'm throwing shade at Mortal Kombat. It, it shots fired. Shots fired. Oh duck! More shots fired. <laughs> uh, it's Mortal Kombat 11. It's just not a good game. Like I'm, I, I don't get why people are so confused about this. Evo is a, a, a chance to show the best games out there and the people who are competing in those games and what they've done using the technology that's available to them. Mortal Kombat 11 is so bland a game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame Evil for dropping it because if you at a stage like Evil, you're used to things like Marvel versus Capcom three, which is you know Iron Man firing a big shoulder cannon, big massive beam shooting across the stage, Spider Man doing some kind of uh, like maximum Spider and just diving all over the stage. You've got Dragon Ball Fighters, which is like big like it's hype. Yeah. Like you need hype. You're there up. for the biggest flashiest fighting yeah. event of the of the year. Even Tekken 7. Tekken 7 is another game where it's all about kind of spacing and zoning out your characters or what they call footsies where you're like, you're kind of stepping in, you're doing a jab and you're pulling back. Yeah. You're kind of testing the water. That game gets a pass because there's more hype built into that. The music and uh, when you actually do land a blow and start building up that combo, that ramps up the hype. Also, it's Tekken. I it's mean, Tekken, yeah. You can't fucking go wrong with that. They haven't changed the formula in years. Like Whereas Street Fighter need to do innovations mm-hmm. to keep shit going and keep things changing and it's worked for them so far. Tekken have just went, no, we're just going to keep doing the same thing. People like it. Why Why break it? We can then just polish this to yeah. a mirror sheen. And we'll give you beyond. super moves. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. But Mortal Kombat has, has no flash. There's no, I mean, you've got the, the fatalities, which they can't really show yeah. through Twitch streaming anymore because uh, what's the, the, there was a bill or something like protect, uh, you know, uh, to show ultra gory images or something yeah, on there's probably online. something to do with that. Yeah. I think it was California. I can't remember the exact Probably. Bill. I know there was some kind of act passed, but yeah, you can't really show ultra-violent images on there, so you kind of, you don't really show the, you can't really show the brutalities and the fatalities, which I'm pretty sure might not be tournament legal anyway. Huh. Why would you take out a core component? Because if you use a brutality, it can take up a chunk of the game oh, and right. just wind the time down. Right. So if, some, if you're at low health and they've got a lot more health. You can wind them down to a point where they might have less health than like you. Brutality is that okay? That makes sense when you're talking about the time factor being an issue yeah, in maybe. a fighting game, but taking away fatalities. Yeah, that's that's well, kind of why we here, like you know. <laughs> but uh, and th- that and uh, just talking about the combat system itself, there's no. Uh, there's some characters have big flashy moves, but ultimately it's just you'll do a move and it's just punch, punch, punch. Like there's no, right. like there's no kind of flash about it. There's no hype to it. So I can completely understand why they omitted Mortal Kombat. Because, quite frankly, it's just not a good game. <laughs> like, in, in my opinion, your your mileage may vary. No matter how fun the Joker is, yeah, it's still not going to make play the game. Despite the fact that they have made an effort to make him look like Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, and they uh, give him the break from uh, Jack Nicholson's performance. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was like 
when did Joker ever break? Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> they actually went back to the old the yeah. old war, the deep war. <laughs> they gave him the Tim Burton berry. But they also, because uh, the way his nose pointed in, I'm like, they're, they're noticeably trying to make him look like something. Then I, I watched a clip of Joker and, or uh, Joaquin Phoenix talking about Joker. I'm like, yeah, they've, t- they've tried to steer him more towards looking like Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, trying to capitalise on that. Yeah. I, I think that'll... I don't see Mortal Kombat as being the the biggest franchise on the planet. I do remember it being controversial and part of the initial kind of uh, games start the the whole descent into devil worship. Yeah. But beyond that and beyond the kind of gimmick of it's super gory. Is there any other reason to play it if it's not no. te- if it's not a technical masterpiece? There's no real reason to play yeah. it. I mean, it looks it looks good because uh, Nether Realm Studios have a really good method of doing facial capture. Mm-hmm. Which they've, which you've seen in games like Injustice Two, where you've got some of the best examples of character design ever. Like, yeah, like the way that they've made some of the characters' facial features move. Like, uh, there's a character Black Canary, who's uh, she's a metahuman with the ability to do this kind of sonic screech. Yes, the way her face moves when she's doing the sonic screech is insane. There's so much technical detail in there. So, technically, they look great. Like yeah. the facial capture stuff all looks great. The backgrounds look cool, but. The combat itself is bland, so ultimately the rest of it just gets glossed over. People are just going, well, "Okay, looks cool, looks nice and fl- it looks nice and clean," but like, the the combat itself is just boring. I have an idea for the, this year's Evo. After all the tournaments are said and done, or one night between tournaments, put on a shitty game and make top tier fighters play it. <laughs> put on like WWE's twenty twenty. A game that's so broken, yeah. you, you can have people flying into the air <laughs> when they try and climb a ladder. Yeah, let's get Sonic Fox and Goichi in, in on that shit. I don't know if you've seen some of the glitches that come out of that, but they're horrific. I saw one where a guy was, uh, obviously you can roll out of the ring. I saw one where if you hit the like the kind of corner posts, your character just keeps rolling. They just get stuck <laughs> and you just infinitely roll off the side. Not only does that happen... For one character, you can have it happen to multiple characters at the same time. <laughs> there was one dude, like, there's two guys rolling at the same speed on the other side of the mat, and they just have a constant roll, so they're just constantly spinning in the side. Gee. You can't touch them either. I've seen one where it was a, it was a tag team match. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get one guy tagged in his uh, opposition, and the guy just drifted through the, <laughs> the, 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 the ring and just rolled out the other side. <laughs> so he just kind of fell through and rolled away. How is it that yearly gaming through like sports games, through stuff like the Madden series and the FIFAs and all these WWE games continues to produce a declining product? Yeah, EA but just don't no, give a shit anymore. No one called, no one does anything about it. They call them on the People oh, still buy it. Oh, it shouldn't be doing it anymore. It's a, it's a constant state of crunch. It's heartening uh, game developers and reading, uh, resulting in like horrific project uh, compromises and stuff like that. Because I mean, uh, part of Anthem part of their staff had to go and help fix a FIFA game half a world away. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, and that re- resulted in a fuck up on Anthem's part. Oh, did you hear about Anthem? No. Two months later, after Christmas, they've still got their in-game Christmas decorations Oh, yeah, up. I remember retweeting that off. <laughs> How dumb. It's the saddest thing I've ever It's fucking pathetic. It's, it wouldn't make sense, but it's not like there's other, like, gi- there are other January holidays and stuff like that that kick yeah. around. And there's also, like, you know, Valentine's Day coming up. And yeah. those will probably still be up there. <laughs> Like that, no one gives a shit about that game. That game could have been fucking awesome. Like the the uh, was it the the, pre- the the premise of it sounds great. You're going to be basically playing up against sounds like Monster Hunter basically. But yeah, what was a the bit name more of the, of the What were the suits called? They had a, a particular name. 
I think there's different names for different classes and stuff. Oh, I can't cool. remember like, if the mech, the mech suits, that could have been a cool as fuck concept. Yeah. You get your own mech, you can customise it, you can put your own spin on it, you can build it to your needs, build it for your mission needs, but they just shat all over that thing. <laughs> they just shat in a game disc, a game box, closed it over and said, there's Anthem. All you had to do, guys, was make a Destiny clone. I'm not even yeah. joking. Make a half-decent Destiny clone, make it a bit more like a Battlefield game than the kind of Call of Duty approach that Destiny has. Yeah. You're golden. <laughs> That's all you needed to do. Like, just marry Destiny and Monster Hunter, you were fine. And it, it, give it some RPG elements, because remember, you're Bioware. You know yeah. how to do that shit. Bioware knows sleep. how to do that shit. Even the, even the literal B-team in Austin probably could have figured it out. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. That was ridiculous. Sad, but though, but the, seeing the tweet of... The Christmas decorations are still up in Anthem, and I don't know why I checked. <laughs> <laughs> just curiosity got to me, and they're still up. I, I thought I'd play Anthem just to see what was going on. I came in to find Christmas decorations were still up. <laughs> I'd been looking for dead bodies at that point. I'm like, guys, anyone here? <laughs> guys? You just got the Bioware stuff, and there's one guy sitting there frozen. <laughs> <laughs> they left the window open, and I froze to death. <laughs> I'm the night watchman. They left me here. <laughs> <laughs> they never visit. They never do. Uh, I uh, speaking of horrific accents, actually not horrific accents. I uh, I was talking last episode about how I was kind of cautiously optimistic for the Mulan movie. Yeah, I rewatched the animated classic movie. Holy shit, that is a good damn movie. Yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. I uh, I now feel like I, I may have misspoke about the the animated one. Like they're gonna, it feels like you're walking into an ambush. <laughs> Just a little bit of an ambush here, a, a scorch of an ambush. But I was looking at the uh, the, the cast there. And obviously everybody knows Eddie Murphy's Mushu. I didn't realise that George Takei was in there. Yeah, he's the head of the family. He's the ancestor. Well, father. No, he's the, all right, he's the ancestor. He's the, the old ancestor. He's the, the first ghost that appears uh, during the first time of Mushu. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Osmond is Shang's singing voice. Uh, I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. Then you've got Miriam Margoyles as uh, Nursery from Black. You remember Nursery from Black? Yeah, Adam? yeah, yeah. She's in there as the matchmaker. Oh right, and I didn't I didn't catch it the first or the first couple of times I've seen it, but then I watched it and I was like, "Holy shit, it really <laughs> is her!" Um, and then Harvey Firestein as the owl, yeah, stealing the goddamn show. How are they? Someone whoever's playing him is fucked. Like they're so yeah, fucked. They're never going to get it to that. <laughs> Everyone is walking into a trap. That guy is walking to two traps simultaneously. <laughs> He's so fucked. <laughs> See, I think when you're going up with something like that, they just need to change the character completely because they do that quite often. Like yeah. the. Uh, with a in the Lion King, the live action remake of the Lion King, they thought, right, we're never going to match Nathan Lane as a Timon. Yes, I'm going to say yes. The the meerkat was Timon, right? Yes. Yeah, they're never going to match that. So let's just get Billy Eichner get in here doing <laughs> whatever the fuck Billy Eichner does and just let him have have at it because <laughs> we're never going to match Nathan Lane. Yeah, I. Uh, I- I feel like they're, they're they're walking into a bit of a trap, but at the same time, I'll still keep the optimism. I mean, there's nothing to say you can win this yeah, one. Like the minute you said the Phoenix imagery and at some point she's going to die or she's going to take she'll a hit. She'll be down, she'll take some big hits and she'll have blurry vision, but then the only thing that she can see is the Phoenix and she'll do, I'm like a Phoenix and she'll yeah. stand up I'm again. Like the Phoenix. Yeah. It's going to happen and it's not going to be good because the last few live action Disney remakes have been fucking awful. Yeah. Still going to watch them though. Still not happy about Aladdin. Still pissed off that you <laughs> took away my cool Jafar fight. Yeah. Made, made him fight some emaciated fucking Iago that wasn't even voiced by Gilbert fucking Gottfried. <laughs> not angry at all, motherfuckers. <laughs> He's, he, there's no resentment there, kids. There's no resentment. I thought I'm a happy, well just individual. Speaking of moments that langer dumb, it's time for Sports Corner. Oh, fuck. Here we go, kids. <laughs> sports Corner here. Get your Sports Corner. So, 
sports corner. Uh, and the most important sporting event of any young Scotsman's life. The Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did get asked to go to a Super Bowl party, but I thought I haven't watched enough American football I think to pick should, a team. I think you should go. And you, I think, I, I didn't get to go see it because uh, I forgot to book the day off. You, hmm. I would have been up till about five in the morning. You kind of need the next yeah. day off. I could have risked it because I'm working the late shift, but do you really want to be that guy showing yeah. up, like still half asleep at your work, clearly smelling a beer? <laughs> Hey Colin, how was your last night? Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> Go Chiefs! <laughs> Actually, found out the guy beneath me uh, had a Chiefs flag up. Oh, right. oh nice. nice Didn't one. know there were other fans. Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Correct. Yeah. Against the. I don't fucking know. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we'll say, pretty damn good game. I did predict it to be a pretty fucking tight one. Um, Kansas City Chiefs have made comebacks for the last couple of games, they've made 20 point comebacks. So when you see that the San Francisco 49ers took a glory pick of them all, like the offensive team is like a big squad-like group photo after the 10-point lead. Hmm. Boys, you done fucked up. You <laughs> done <laughs> poked the bear. <laughs> you just shown that red... You're just pissing off the bill at that point, you're, showing the yes. red flag. And uh, yeah, it, it did not end well for them. Uh, Kansas City came back, won the game, and well-deserved. I think they've had a great season. Their uh, playoff football has been fantastic, but you know, we're not here to talk about NFL we're here to talk about just talk about NFL for a bit more <laughs> a bit longer <laughs> that was my my segment was written down as we won't talk about it as much I just wanted to say good game Kansas <laughs> yeah I mean well done, well done Kansas City at least you actually fucking won something and, and you're a patriot and you're a the people of Kansas City which isn't actually in Kansas <laughs> yeah it's Kansas City Missouri <laughs> yeah. but so not don't talk to us something like that it's like the people of uh, Kansas and Kansas City have <laughs> been pr- prominent supporters he of me long lived the state of Texas I'm like Kansas City not in Texas he probably did the man <laughs> morons. the man mar- <laughs> the man uses fucking marinara sauce as moisturizer yeah I've okay. seen that looking, <laughs> lo- looking like somebody's auntie right but I- I'm vamping because I don't want to talk about the rugby but uh, this uh, but we must uh, yes we must because I'm a Scottish rugby fan and I take my lumps every fucking year, it seems. <laughs> but year? Every, You're optimistic. Every six months, we just get the shit kicked out of us by internet. By teams that are just being coached better by better coaches. I think it's not the fact that I'm losing faith in the Scottish rugby team. I still have, because this is the best team that we've had. This is a world beating team that we have. The play, Some players have left, but the players that have left have taught and coached the new wave coming up. Okay. So we have. On a player level, best Scotland team we've had in years and will ever have for the or will have for the next couple of years. The coaching staff is just shit in the bed. They're not doing the right thing. Uh, a few player, a few uh, key members of the defence team or the, the defence coaching team are leaving to go to Australia Rugby, right? Uh, because they are attached to uh, Glasgow Warriors, and the head coach for Glasgow Warriors is going to Australia and taking that side with them. Okay. So Scotland are going to have to do something about that, try and maybe recruit someone there. And uh, the current head coach for Scotland, Gregor Townsend, is so one-dimensional a coach, it is pissing people off now. You watched the game and you've seen that it was just one game plan, and then when that yeah. went to shit, no one could optimise it. Yeah. Well, we should set it up that... Uh... Yeah, it, it was the, the Calcutta Cup, which is a... Uh, we should say that the game itself was part of the Six Nations tournament. Yeah, Six Nations tournament. However, for international listeners, every time England and Scotland play, the Calcutta Cup is on the line. Yeah, the Calcutta Cup. It's a. I don't know the specifics of it. It's. It was just at the very beginning of the sort of the Scotland England international rugby games. The Calcutta Cup was always this trophy that they played for. It's the same with, uh, I think it's Scotland and Wales, or Scotland and France play for a thing called the Old Alliance Cup. 
Right. It's just it's just basically signifying like, you know events that happen between the two of them. Yeah. So uh, Scotland and Wales would probably play for a bowl of leaky soup. To be uh, they play for I think they play for the Doddy Weir Cup because Doddy Weir is connections to Wales or something. It was always a it was always a weird one, but anything that can commemorate Doddy Weir is only a good thing. But uh, yeah, every year. During the Six Nations, Scotland both play England for the Calcutta Cup. For the past two years, we have retained the Calcutta Cup. Yeah. In a fucking stellar game uh, two years ago when we played them at Murrayfield and we just trounced them. Yeah. They couldn't get a, a, a word in edgewise. They would just, you know, blocked England at every chance. Uh, the second game down at Twickenham, down at England, was a good game in the second half. In the first half, Scotland couldn't do anything. England went 31 points to the 31 unanswered points before the half and Scotland just kind of went well, what do we do now and the answer was a win turns out uh, the, the answer was uh, bring it to a draw which was an achievement in of itself yeah. but, but uh, if you draw you hold on the cup yeah, if you draw you win the cup and the secret to that success was uh, Gregor Townsend who's the head coach of Scotland said right try it this way try doing this that and the next thing and it was the actions of on, one player Finn Russell who was at 10 just went lads that doesn't work for me. How about we do this? And his playstyle got us back. He we went thirty eight unanswered points in the second half. Yeah, they only brought they only got their other try to equalize it to thirty eight all because at the end, I can only assume the adrenaline wore off. We had a momentary lapse in our defence and they just snuck through. Yeah, Scotland has a very big weakness called the seventy eighth minute, where everything yeah. just kind of drops out of our bodies. Yeah, and the energy just leaves us. There's two minutes left on the clock and it's game time, and all of a sudden. We're in the shit. Yeah, and our, our defence wasn't really... Our defence has never really been the greatest, which is part of uh, where our problems lay on Saturday's game against England at Murrayfield. Take, yeah, was, was it Murrayfield? Now, this game is actually one of the lowest scoring games in like the history of the tournament. Yeah. And the first half was only like the lowest scoring game, with the exception of like one game in the 1960s, yeah. where there was like three points scored in total yeah. in the first half. So this was not a big game points-wise, because... The kind of leading edge of what's it's called Storm Kira. CIA. Yeah, Storm Kira. Yeah. Uh, we just sat through it today, and yes, on Sunday and today, which yeah. somehow featured snow. We don't yeah. fucking and know. Apparently, how that it's going to be just built in Scotland for the next two weeks. Uh, and this was the leading edge. It just happened to creep over Murrayfield at the first yeah. whistle, <laughs> and it was it was horrendous. It got to the point where the place kickers, your tens, your fifteens, were kicking the ball, and it was curving back in the field. The winds were that yeah. strong. It was ridiculous. And also you had uh, the English kicker having the ball held for him by one of the yeah. by one of his teammates yeah, that, just so that, that it wouldn't fall over in a stand. Yeah, that happens at the level of rugby that I play. <laughs> that happens yeah. at club level <laughs> rugby when you've got someone with their index finger or their trigger finger on top of the ball just holding it on for them. Yeah, well, this guy took his hand behind yeah, the ball. Yeah, he made the cardinal error of trying to cup the ball. It's like, dude, you're going to lose a finger. Yeah. <laughs> like, you see him just whip the hand back, like, 30 yeah. seconds, like, with three steps to go, like, I'm, I'm not losing this hand. Like, Owen Farrell's one of the best kickers in the competition right now. I will lose a finger if I hold that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, fair play to England. They kept the pressure on in, in the right moments. They they chose to hit with their forwards. They cho- they knew where to hit and where we were defensively weakest. Uh, and they just... I'm not going to say they outplayed us, because they never outplayed us. We shot ourselves in the foot by you know trying to stick to the game plan and the 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 uh the calling card of a good coach is having more than one game plan it's just like right if he does this you match that like their plan they'll have plan a through you know l they'll yeah. have a, a through z they'll have so many fucking game plans whereas the head coach for scotland seems to just no we'll play this way we'll play we'll have plan a that plan a is all we need let's play the fastest game of or let's play uh, the fastest game of rugby that we can like we want to be speed 
Scotland has probably a very dominant forwards pack if it's played right. So I think we should have focused more during the game about, you know, trucking up with the forwards a few times. But the problem that we come into then, as you said during the kind of preamble before we're talking about that, England had six forwards waiting. Yeah. Like fucking salivating bibs on with knives and forks waiting to come on. I will say as well, when you watch that lineup for the national anthems, uh, they are bigger than us. Yeah. Noticeably by about 10 to 15 kilos each body. Yeah, I think that's because... The weight adds up. Scottish... In Scottish rugby, we we pick from sort of other players. We've got a big forwards pack, but England because it attracts more people from different areas, particularly people from the Pacific Islands, they can get bigger people. Like because yeah. you look at the two Alagis, the Vinopolas, yeah. they are big fucking lads. Yeah, there are some huge dudes in there. There was yeah. one point where the camera had to tilt up. This yeah. is a very wide angle lens tilting up to catch one of the boys' like heads. Yeah, as he's being greeted by like Princess Anne. Like, <laughs> she's just this tiny little like. It's nice to meet you, sir. Yeah. He, his Mar- hand is bigger than her chest. <laughs> like Maroi Toji, she's picking her up. Nice to meet you. Put your bag down. And uh, yeah, I just when I was watching that lineup, I'm like, this is bad. I was watching that lineup because I was looking at the weather. My theory is okay. This can't become a passing game. The ball will be too wet. Yeah. No, we can't pass in that. We have bad ball handling at the best times. Yeah. This is going to end up with slip balls, possessions being too overturned, and an Englishman running. Yeah, just 40 turnover yards after turnover on a on a dime and just going, and we're, we're in trouble. Yeah. So at that point, it's too windy to kick. It's too rainy to pass. This becomes a fight. Yeah. This just becomes up the jumper, just truck up, like crash ball after crash ball. But and unfortunately, when you're what you, when you're basically just playing a fight with the ball involved, when you're outgunned by 10, 15 kilos per guy, yeah. it gets to, it grinds you down. Yeah, definitely. And then you hear there are six more big forwards ready to go yeah. at a moment's notice. I think what we also did is, it's a problem that happens even at the uh, level of rugby that I play. Forwards don't go in formation when they go into a crash ball. They just take it up themselves. You usually want to go in with support. You want to go with like the tip of the spear will carry it in, but then you have two other forwards on the latch behind you and they will push you through that. If you've got a big enough forward, maybe a prop or a number eight or something, they can probably push through themselves. Yeah. But even at that... That's like one or two guys per team. Yeah. You're basically gifting them the ball if you go in yourself. And Scotland did that a few times, particularly with uh, the prop... Uh, I'm a fucking huge fan of this guy. I fucking love Xander Fragerson, one of the best props in the competition. But he went in a few times by himself. And that was, was like, the guy that got the run. He got a good no, that was uh, something Sutherland. I think that guy's name was Rory Sutherland. I think his name was. Yeah. Uh, but he got no. He got a fucking beautiful run. <laughs> like I literally text you saying, "There's nothing that gives me more goddamn pride <laughs> than seeing a prop in full flight." Because he's he j- moving. <laughs> he just got the he just got the ball, and you can always tell when a forward gets the ball because. You can almost hear him just go, oh, fuck. <laughs> I need to run. <laughs> They're going to hit me. <laughs> must go faster, must go faster, must go faster. There's, just a lot, there's large thumping noises. The ground starts to shake a little bit. Just a big man running. Yeah, that, that was pretty awesome to see. But yeah, this just we need. there was more single runs than I've ever seen in a game of rugby. And I, I can't say... I won't say that it was because of just it was tired exhaustion. There was enough players standing around them that they could have just formed a ru- formed a, yeah. a crash ball. But you have each individual Scotsman going forward against a wall of white shirts. Yeah, and they and, were coming up quick. Like, yeah, and that's the thing is England are moving very fast. They're moving really well to make sure that we can't build up big passes, we can't move yeah. big momentum plays, and we can't get enough speed up to make our mass hit their mass yeah. with the equivalent force because. If you're getting somebody running at you and that dude is 100 kilos 
and he is about to run at you with the ball in his hand and he knows he's coming through you if you're standing still you're falling over that's yeah, just you fact. need to go and meet that player kill their momentum straight and England were experts at England that. did that really well because it got down to the point where Scotland within five yards of the trial line less yep. than that at points yep but we hit a problem where we have the individual runners and if you look at our try attempts versus their try success they had two bodies running with the ball yeah we were doing single man running against two bodies yeah it just won't work over yeah. that short a distance unless you're a freak of nature with quads made of like steel pistons yeah unless you've got just that much power behind you that much get up behind you that you're going to be able to punch through it it's never going to go well and uh, i think what england did is when they were getting to the try line I mean, the fuck this is killing me to pr- uh, praise england so much but uh, <laughs> but the, england did a really good job of getting low and punching through yes whereas scotland we went upright so many fucking times it was annoying me even the smaller backs we're still just going in and upright. There was at one point where uh, one of these centers, I think it might have been Sam Johnson, who's a fucking phenomenal player at the best of times. He did two things throughout the game that bugged me. The, the second one I'll get to in a minute, but the first one was whenever he ran into the ruck, he was always pushed back because yeah. he ran in upright. Yeah, and it's like you're never going to get anything. You need to get low and kind of punch through. Whereas he was going in and the force was just pushing him back. He was oh. taking it flat. And what drove me daft was that we could see this working. There were yeah. points where on those, like, there was two, I'd say two good, like decent attempts at getting over that English trial line. And then both times you would see Scotsman running upright, uh, just, just running around the corner into an Englishman upright. And at that mm. point, the bigger man is going to push you back. Yeah. Because he's getting himself there. And I guarantee you his mate's coming in as well in yeah. half a second. You have half a second to make the difference. If you can't make a difference, you're going backwards. We lose yards. We might lose yeah. possession. But you could see there were occasions where a guy just got the ball, took two steps, and then dies forward. And we gain a foot. Yeah. And then that guy can turtle over the ball, present it yeah. to the next guy who should be taking the next foot, the next foot, the next foot. If it takes 10 bodies to make 10 yards, just do you it, can like. get 10 bodies from somewhere. Yeah, uh, there's always the, the adage of... The adage in any game of rugby, your any coach at any level of rugby will always say, "Right, lads, it's time for up the jumper rugby," mm. and that's just anybody. It doesn't need to be a fucking forward. Doesn't even need to be a back. Just any player on there that's got a number on their back, just keep trucking the ball up. Like if you're making yeah. a pod a, for, a pod to take the crash ball, and it's the fullback, a winger, and a and a prop forward, fucking fire that through. Yeah. Like the two skinny boys get on the fat boy and push him through. Like whatever works works. Yeah, I mean you're never going to get. The, the pod that you're after yeah because you're going to have designated pods I play in the front row so my pod will always be prop prop me as the hooker we'll, that's my pod yeah but nine to uh, say six times out of ten I've never got that pod around me uh, last week I was playing against uh, Cumbernauld and literally I got the ball for the crash ball and there was a winger and a fullback next to me I was like fuck it lads we're gone <laughs> <laughs> this'll do <laughs> like, let's move <laughs> fuck it like get to the wee boy I'll shove him through <laughs> yeah but you like, you have to make adaptions and we could see this yeah, and there are the the thing is that the uh, the Scottish captain stands back. He is quite he's, he can be there in the moment. Yeah, but most of the time he is back and observing. The fact yeah. that this was not picked up on and noticed, at least on the first attempt, it should have been noticed on the first attempt, and we should have had a, a quick like guys, dig. Like we're like, doing this. We're yeah. going down. We're going down one foot at a time, but we're getting over that line in the end. Fuck the glory. Yeah. We're going for the win. You know. Yeah, I mean, I said it last. I said that the last time we recorded the. Like Stuart Hogg has done a fucking fantastic job yeah. as captain. He's played some played some good rugby and he's he's carried the ball in really well. He showed his he showed how well he can play rugby. That man is trying. 
yeah, he's a fucking phenomenal player, one of the best attacking players, probably the best attacking 15 that you'll see in the game right now. Stuart Hogg is fucking lightning in a bottle, he's ridiculously good. But he kind of showed that you can't really be a captain from the back. You need to have someone that's in the fucking reeds, like yeah. in the mud, that just like pulling people left and right. Like you can't have someone that's trying to get an overview. Like, to me, like like I said, captain should always be a forward leading from the front lines. If not, captain should be the scrum half. Yeah, because they can literally see, they can see back, they can see forward. They're calling people towards you, and they're always going to be in roughly yeah. about the center. Yeah, they're going to have that. Yeah, they're going to have that. If they're not three sixty view yeah. of everything around them, if they're not in the center of the pitch, they're in the center of the action. Yeah, they're right. literally feeding the ball out to the ten. Yeah, so you, you just need to have somebody that's you know, that's got a bit of game awareness about them. And I'm not saying that Stuart Hogg doesn't have that, but I think he's focusing on other things. And in a game where I think the the ball was held for no joke about 30 seconds before it was kicked there was so much kicking in a very very windy, ga- uh, windy game he could do nothing but focus on the ball coming back yeah that he couldn't really say to the guys right because as well it's not just that the ball's being kicked it's that the ball's being kicked somewhere good fucking luck guessing yeah, where like trying to because the, the best way to catch a ball in a game of rugby is never let it out of your sight but when it's windy as hell and you've got rain fucking pouring down you, there's no way you're keeping track on that yeah. or even in floodlights yeah, like you, you, the nine times out of ten, you're going to fucking lose track of the ball, and yeah, it was not a tough. It was it was a tough game, a very tough game. It was not an easy shift for any of the Scotland guys. It was not a pretty game either. It was not a pretty game. It was. I think it was the best game they could have had, like the best game of rugby that could be had. Yeah. in the circumstances, but at I the just, same time, it was horrific to watch my team go through that. Yeah, it was, it was horrific to watch, like yeah. the national side go through that. But that's the thing. England did some things well, but they weren't really spectacular either. Mm. England, it was not a, a, it was not a showing indicative of the team that almost won the World Cup. Yes, they had a couple of good players. Like the forwards were good. They their defense was great, but England's attack was horrible. The whole thing was basically a step away from a mud wrestling match. Yeah, like England's attacking shape was pretty bad at sometimes because uh, Owen Farrell, uh, good twelve. I'd say he's a better ten than he's a twelve, but he, he's good at playing the uh, twelve position. He could get no go forward at all. Mm. whenever he got the ball it was just that he was met with a lack of options or he was failing to execute on simple things and he, he, re- he reverted back to the the simple game plan of fuck it we'll just hit the wings yeah and it obviously it helped they did get a few good breaks but nine times out of ten there was just someone there to push them out into touch they weren't really getting much from it so I wouldn't really say that England were the better team that they won they just they adapted better yeah I think that the problem is that we had no second plan. I I think the game should have had a lot more passing in it. I know the passing was risky, but at this point, yeah. everything's a risk. I mean, we've had guys, there was points where a guy would run with the ball, he'd be hit by somebody tackling him, he'd fall, and the next frame, there'd be no explanation, but the Englishman had the ball. Yeah. But how the fuck did that happen? There's no, like, he just drops with the ball and then the other guy picks it up and runs yeah. with it. Back, and like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, it, was, it goes back to what I was saying, that there was just no... There was no pod system going. There was no, I'm going to run the ball and I'm going to, yeah. like, I'm needing two people behind me. And it, it, it showed in the, it came out in the wash that Scotland were just the, the woefully underprepared team. And I, there was a lot of times when, it, at the kickoff, like after the reset or after the points had been scored or after the penalty was given or something, Scotland would kick the ball to England and there was about two or three players that would just rush straight up and leave a massive gap. Like that is basic rugby. Like you never leave the gap. I'd, I'd rather sacrifice ten, maybe like five, ten meters, mm. to have a solid line. 
And that's that was the other point that I was going to bring up about Sam Johnson. Fucking fantastic player. He kick-started our comeback against Scotland, against England last year. And he fucking, it was a phenomenal game. He, he basically put his body on the line, proved that he should be in a Scotland jersey. But him and whoever, Blair Kinghorn, who was playing on wing, they just flooded up immediately. And they literally, at one point, their winger or the scrum half passed the ball to the centre who was just outside of Sam Johnson and just tap danced through the gap that he left. Mm. If it wasn't for the fact that uh, Stuart Hogg and Adam Hastings, the 10 and 15, closed that gap in, that would have been a try all day. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not looking... The report card is not looking good for Gregor Townsend and I think the Scottish Rugby Union will be saying to him, it's better if we just cut our ties here because it is not working. You are losing us players. I mean, without a doubt, Finn Russell is the best 10 that Scotland have. Adam Hastings is getting there. Mm-hmm. But I think he needs maybe a couple more camp- Six Nations campaigns under his belt, maybe some more games with Glasgow before he gets to his, his peak, his zenith. Mm-hmm. But Finn Russell, he is probably one of the best rugby minds in the game right now. He can play the game expertly and he can read the game even better. But to piss a player off that badly that he's not willing to come back for the rest of the campaign, yeah. questions need to be asked. Yeah. If I'm Monday morning quarterbacking this, I'm, I'd have went for a different strategy. I mean, I know the, the pod would eventually help us break through the line to get the tries. Yeah. I would have just said, fuck the tries. Yeah, I would have just started pinging drop goals. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have went and try and push your team up to about the thirty, about the thirty, because yeah. for the first half, Scotland had the wind behind them. Yeah, and we could, you would see the ball from England, kind of try to go up against the wind and drop mm. within about thirty yards. Scotland managed to kick the ball from basically their own try line into the very back corner of the the English try line with one hit. Yeah. It was a fucking masterpiece, and you saw the ball land. You're like, Jesus Christ! How, the, fuck that? <laughs> How yeah. you, the accuracy involved in that horrific saver, but the problem is there was no control. Yeah, but I would have still just pushed up to the thirty, try kick, push up, try kick. Eventually, I'll calibrate to the wind. Yeah, and get it. But I, I think we should have just said, "Fuck it, go for try and get three kicks." Yeah, try and get half. the points. Just say, "Look, England now have to score a, t- a touchdown. I need to score a try. Need to get major points on the board because we can probably get ourselves in position and then just let." You know, Shrog is a cannon of a foot. Yeah, he, that guy's got a shotgun attack to his right leg. Because yeah. I, I text you to say, at the half, we're in trouble now. Because yeah. now that wind's coming back again. So she said, nah, don't worry about it. I'm like, fucking right, don't worry about it. What do you mean, don't worry about it? And then all of a sudden, I think it was like his first action of the second half was just a battering of the yeah. He just hammered the ball. Didn't know, and you're like, wait, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> That's the thing. That was the ball. I know exactly what kick you're talking about. That went to the dead ball. And it was just like, you've got us a lot of possession, but we need to fucking capitalise on it. And then it went from Scotland got the ball back, trucked it up again, and it was immediately turned over yeah. by uh, Maro Itoji, who's like, that guy is just dick, utter dick in terms of how many times he's beat Scotland, but he's just fucking ridiculous when it comes to the forward forwards yeah. game. Like, it's, just, it's just innate in him. Like that is just inbuilt rugby brain. <laughs> like, but when it comes up against Scotland, you're a fucking arsehole, mate. <laughs> you're a fantastic ambassador for Scottish rugby, and you're building up the the game in England in ways that no one's really done before. But fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Maro Itoji, <laughs> fuck you, talented piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, what, what you're gonna you're gonna play rugby well? You're gonna get guaranteed spot in the Lions tour. Fuck, fuck you, you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I uh, yeah, it was it was a hard game to watch. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a hard game to watch. Not as hard to watch as the the Wales Italy game where it was forty two 0 Jesus, Italy just got the shit kicked in by Wales. 
This was like, fuck you, fuck your family. <laughs> Wales were out to put a fucking marker down and they slapped one down right in front of Italy's face. Right across Italy's forehead, just, ow. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, Italy are going to come back pissed off and I think Scotland might lose that game. Yeah. We never lost, we haven't lost Italy in as long as I've been following rugby. So I think this might be the trend breaker. <laughs> Here comes that one where like somebody gets a beating so bad they come back and take out on the next guy. Yeah, because Italy played France and shocked France. The France are favoured to win the Six Nations this year because hmm. they've not lost a game yet. All right, they've, they've only played fucking two games, but they still won both the games. Yeah, uh, but uh, Italy came back and gave France a shock. So if they play like that against Scotland, it's fucking try time all day for them. Yeah. I mean, well, I hope that Scotland, Scotland sees sense and, you know, make the new game plan because we've lost another player, I think, on Sunday afternoon they announced that uh, Scotland lock Johnny Gray, who is a fucking phenomenal uh, attack and defence player, atta- attack and defence forward, he's been ruled out of the rest of the campaign with a, with a shoulder injury. Ah, shit. So it's not a good sign. And then on the opposite... Um, the same line as that, a guy named Ben Tullis, who's another lock for Scotland. Mm-hmm. He plays for Edinburgh. Again, fucking phenomenal forward. He was also looking at as a kind of iffy, so mm. we're losing players left, right and centre. So it's, Where's the early game taking place? Hmm? Where's this early game taking place? Italy, two weeks' time, I think you said? Two weeks' time, and it's taking place in Rome. Okay. So, so it's home field advantage to Italy. And but there won't be a storm. There so. won't be a storm. It'll be clear weather. I, I genuinely think I would love little, I would have loved to see that game delayed and played without those circumstances, but obviously you can't because it's tournament time, games have to go ahead unless there's an absolute apocalypse level event. Yeah. Um, even at that, if there was a fucking tsunami, yeah. Like the Scotland Japan games in the World yeah. Cup, Scotland would have <laughs> demanded to play it. Yeah. I, I think we ideally I would love to see that game played under better conditions and I don't want to blame it all on the weather, but I think the way that that the the weather is so horrific, you, see, you yeah. can see footage. In some cameras, they've managed to blur out the rain, and then you'll see like a from the ground perspective, and you'll see them getting hammered. Yeah. It's like they're standing in a shower. It was like when it, they'll be watching some of the players on the pitch. Like during kickoff, they like to kind of zoom in on the kicker. Yeah, there was a point where they zoomed out and panned up towards the floodlights, and it was just a fucking storm of rain. Yeah. The cameras that they had were actually, they, they had to find a way to wipe them. Yeah. I mean, at one point there's a guy at the uh, the halfway line standing with the, the big BBC fucking camera on his shoulder. Yeah. At one point you just see him wiping it. <laughs> like bringing out a, a handkerchief or something from his pocket and just wiping it down. I did notice one thing as well is that most of those cameras are shoulder mounted. Yeah. However, I did, or if they're not shoulder mounted, they're on uh, like uh, steady arms or in steady cam stuff. Yeah. There's normally a bit of a setup there. I saw one guy with an underslung camera like he, he was like holding it from the top kind of like a heavy bolt on 40k <laughs> fucking hell all i could think of was just heavy bolt on 40k and he just had it under there and he, it, was, it was covered in like about 40 different like uh protective plastic layers yeah. you ever seen the guy who has the who has the outdoor camera yeah. at a sports event he's sitting there in like a fucking turret thing he's got all these <laughs> he's got basically a gazebo over his yeah. face <laughs> he's just sitting there going like hold on need to get the best fucking oh wait hold, pull this open like, yeah. <laughs> sitting there like a mobile post box just trying yeah. to but this guy had it like, and I was like, that's such a weird camera. And then I saw them use it and it is for those like, air, like on the wing running down. You have the camera basically falling right behind and the, the lens is within like a foot of the ball. Yeah. And obviously if someone smashes that guy, yeah. the camera's gone. That was, a, that was enough. It's a great angle. <laughs> yeah. That was a very cool picture. But Did you get the shot? That's all that matters. Like, like, is the camera safe? I don't care if you're bleeding out. Is the camera safe? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of it went inside you. Don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I don't care if you've got a lens up your arse. <laughs> Did you get the shot? <laughs> That's on Mars. That was that was a really big complaint because I'm part of the uh, Scottish Rugby Forum on Facebook, and there was a huge complaint that uh, about the safety in the stadium. How there should have been more crash barriers along the place because if a player slides out, he's hitting concrete. Right. Like there was no like kind of soft barriers up or anything like that. Hmm. So if a player, especially during uh, wet conditions at Murrayfield, if he slides out after being tackled, he's basically, if his momentum carries, carries him, he's basically going into the concrete of the stands. And that's a, like, that's winding the player at the very least, breaking something at the most. Yeah. Or just, you know, the sure like rough and tumble, like the actual scraping and stuff. Yeah. You don't want to get an infection cut on a rugby pitch that, gets nasty fast. Yeah, that gets very nasty very quickly. We have enough coronaviruses. It is in the UK. Yeah. We don't need massive outbreaks of staph infections. You mean the raccoon virus? <laughs> you can't convince me that that is not the first wave of the T-virus. <laughs> I've seen the company that's dealing with the coronavirus. <laughs> you can't paint the umbrella corporation symbol from Resident Evil green and expect me not to fucking notice it. <laughs> Where aren't you, China? We fucking see your <laughs> I'm, I fucking see your games. <laughs> <laughs> fucking big plays over there. Uh, speaking of games... I'm playing Doom. You're playing Doom? How? Doom 2016 in preparation for Doom Eternal and I'm, I, I think I've talked about this before but I'm fucking sold. It's so good. It is. It's ridiculous. I need a little bit of time to readjust to control schemes. Mm. Um, I'm not used to the fact that I don't I don't have to press a button to run. Yeah. You're automatically running. Yeah. <laughs> You're automatically running and there's a button to let you walk for some reason. Yeah, there's a button to let you slow it, down. <laughs> and it's automatically set to shift. I think they're taking the piss out of you with that. Yeah. I've put that away as like the G key or some shit yeah. like that, the, the P key. So I'm never going to touch that. Yeah. I moved it away on the keyboard. But um, yeah, fucking loving it. I played through my first mission in hell. Yeah. The pacing in that game is so good because you can run through it for hours. You can play like two hours nonstop just in the flow. Yeah. In the moment and just kind of slaughtering demons as you go. And then all of a sudden... You just hit a room. <laughs> the room then proceeds to beat the shit out of you Yeah, for the, 10 minutes. <laughs> the room has uh, the nests, the demon nests. No, you have to not, just, the... there'll just be a moment where you're, like, you're in a room and like the first one I hit was it was uh, you're opening the, the plasma vents because mm-hmm. the place is going to overload and you don't open the vents. Everything over yeah. everything overheats. Room blow, or the whole planet blows up, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, and they put three hell knights in there and a bunch of uh, the, the ghouls. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine, I can fucking deal with this. And I'm running out of ammo, but I'm making it there eventually. I'll, I'll be fine. And then they drop three more Hell, Knight, hell Knights <laughs> in, and I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> and you're just running in circles, screaming, blasting them with the shotguns. Yes. But it's, it's a lot of fun. and I'm, I, I've, It's ridiculous. I've now just finished my first mission in Hell, and uh, yeah, holy fuck, I'm yeah, loving this game. game's good. It's, it's, it's one of those games where you... You get so into the game, you're just like, fuck it, bring on the next difficulty level. I can fucking do this. <laughs> next thing you know, you're doing a like, hurt me plenty mode and you're like, okay, this is too much. <laughs> I think I'm playing on what would normally be considered hard mode. Yeah. And uh, it is occasionally, like, as a, oh, a couple of good hours and all of a sudden something just comes in and just punches the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to Doom Eternal. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, now, the, the good thing about Doom is... Uh, Oh, the one thing that took me a while, should I say, before I get into that, uh, the one thing that took me a while to learn is that you don't really reload until you empty the clip. Like, I'm hammering all the keys to try and find the reload button. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I just empty this shit. Well, I have compulsive uh, reload. I, I really, if you watch me play Rainbow Six Siege or Destiny, after almost every kill, I reload. Yeah. I just, uh, there, I'm always on the R button and I never actually, I've actually had to take all the bindings and there's no actions associated with R because I'm just compulsively hitting R whenever I'm like reloading <laughs> buttons. 
And uh, I've never really played a game where I I'd never have to reload. I don't. There's no gun that I found yet that I have to actively reload. It's just you just waste all your ammo. Yeah. And it's gone, and then you swap you swap guns. There's even an option to just automatically have it swap guns. But that gets dangerous when you can have a rocket launcher and there's no friendly fire turn off. <laughs> <laughs> you can just be like rattling away with an, an LMG and then automatically it'd swap over uh, an, a rocket launcher, <laughs> rocket launcher and all of a sudden it's just like pieces of you are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very easy to kill yourself in Doom 2016 because you can just, you'll be sitting there with a super shotgun, you'll be shooting a couple rounds with that, then you switch to the, the rail gun, like, oh crap, just blew myself up. Yeah, I got my hands on the super shotgun. I didn't know I'd picked it up. I picked up the the gauze cannon and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a lot of gauze cannon's fun. Yeah, hey, I I picked the the sniper option. I didn't go for the siege option yet. Oh, siege option's fun. You, you just like your... fold it out and destroy the shit out of anything that gets in front of you. But I went for the sniper option, and I just I would just stand there and ping people in the head. Yeah. just dink. <laughs> See, I went I went for the sniper option with the the machine gun, the sort of heavy machine gun. Yeah, I went for the sniper scope and the missile pods. So I'm just like, someone's getting close to me, I just unload a few rounds of the missile pods. I've already got the sniper option, I just, I, the idea of having the extra missile pods at the side, I'm just holding off on that one, yeah. until I really need it, because I want to just be good at using the guns, yeah. and I'll come back to adding on extra shit to give me that last minute get out of jail free card. Because yeah. it's, I'm impressive that they've continued to escalate further and further and further, Yeah. but I've just got my hands on the super shotgun, and I'm now just starting to fight the ones that look like the devil, uh, the giant red guys. Or the uh, sucky buses. Or maybe the monkey buses. No, uh, I'm a bit further than that. All right. Um, I've only found them in hell, but I just got the super shotgun in hell and then just pulled it out. And there's like a ten foot demon guy with like two massive horns. Oh, I think you they rip are... the horn off and beat them, beat them to death. With yeah, them. I think those are uh, hell knights. No, hell knights are the guys with the the white chrome head. They've got the giant head. Oh yeah, you can't yeah, see them, And they just run at you. I, I don't know the name. Of them. Yeah, the, the doom mythology is apparently very complex. Oh yeah, they got in. <laughs> on some shit and uh, it's actually getting to the point where in Doom Eternal they're confirming some shit that was easter eggs in other games as being canon right like you go into uh, Doom Guy's office because he has an office now <laughs> they confirm that uh, Doom 3 or that Doom Eternal is part of the greater Doom canon because you can find uh, Doom Guy's rabbit cage it, it, the whole point of Doom 3 is he's trying to kill demons because they killed his rabbit fuck's sake so there's the rabbit hutch that's in his office a Doom Guy was also a a, a secret character in a Tony Hawk game so you can find the skateboard that he used in that game in his office I don't remember that and I remember a lot of the Tony Hawk games me neither like, I, it was my brother that told me just because <laughs> he showed me this picture and I was like okay there's the there's the skateboard that he used in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 or something like that <laughs> fucking hell but yeah all the little easter eggs of Doom Guy that you've seen throughout other other uh, games is now canon like you see his old armour from the original Doom games where he had the midriff exposed oh right yeah it's like again he used to wear that shit now he's just went, like swapped out the midriff explosives just inhumanly large biceps. <laughs> the massive fucking meaty gun. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense though when you see what he's logging around constantly. Yeah. I mean, uh, if it, I don't know if you've seen this. It's an old Rush Teeth immersion uh, where they just had you run around as, I think it was the Doom Marine. They said the Doom Marine carries a rocket launcher, LMG, submachine gun, pistol, shotgun, sawn off shotgun, and they just load it all into the guys <laughs> and just have them run through a battlefield. As <laughs> it's like old school classic RT and you're like, yeah, you never really would be able to like stop or run or like if no. you if you lost your acceleration, you're fucked. You're never getting your speed back up again. It's like the the Resident Evil paradox. Like, how can you run with a shotgun, a pistol, all the ammo that you need for it, a bunch of herbs, shit tons of keys, yeah. ink ribbons? How like where the fuck are they putting all this? Because 
no Resident Evil characters are backpacks. <laughs> like Jill Valentine in Resident Evil 3 is working around in a skirt and a boob tube. <laughs> what was the, uh, the, what was the one in number four or yeah, five? Yeah, four, you had a briefcase. Yeah, you had the briefcase and it was like, you can have 30 bullets or one egg. <laughs> <laughs> These all take up the same amount of space. Why? Fuck you, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's a good one. I actually found that, um, we've been talking about the fact that we are bemoaning the lack of uh, new music. Guess who's coming to the rescue? Who? Slipknot. Slipknot coming to the rescue. Corey Taylor gave an interview with the BBC, because obviously they've been here in the UK, mm-hmm. and they actually apparently took over Radio 1 for two hours. Yeah. I, I'm fine, no, I think I've seen the interview you're talking about, because I listened to a band that he recommended. It was called it, Knee Deep or something like that. I don't think I've recommended that one. It was a hardcore band. I didn't know it was a hardcore band because he said it was a good record to listen to when you're in the gym. And I thought, I'll give this a listen to. And I was like, oh, Corey, you've you've, you've betrayed me, Corey. This is hardcore <laughs> music. <laughs> uh, but he, he he's basically said that, uh, Corey Taylor's given the interview, he said, it's uh, his res- well, Slipknot's responsibility to bring metal bands that should get a boost and get a wider audience to the wider audience <laughs> because they are, I think it's hard to disagree that they're the biggest metal act on the planet. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, about 10, 15 years ago, you would have said Metallica, but now it really is just down to Slipknot because nobody wants to talk to Metallica anymore. Um, and he basically said this, they've been doing it for years, that's why they uh, toured with bands like Disturbed, Mudvayne and Hatebreed. So he said that you know, the next generation's coming up and he's got an eye on the indie scene. And so they found uh, four bands that I'd never heard of before. Um, Knocked Loose. A band called Horror. Which oh, Knocked Loose, that was the name of the band. Yeah. yeah they're fucking hardcore. Um, and he... Horror, though, is spelled H-0-9-9-0-9. Um, Code Orange and Rival Sons. And then he hit me with something that I'd never saw coming. He's a fan of Royal Blood. Bro, nice pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've got a weird thing because um, uh, I listened to some of the horror tracks and they are a, a rap band with a, like, punk influence like but like old school yeah. punk thrash I, I remember that was the band that he was saying that like they, they'll start off singing they'll start off with a kind of metal type song then they'll just go rap then they'll just keep cycling through different genres well the, this one i honestly I was watching it and i'm like this reminds me like not only the video style but it reminds me a lot of like white zombie and rob zombies mm. like weird or more like it feels like you're already drunk or on a fucking acid trip yeah watching like a collage of rod zombie movies while rastafari and rap over it and you're like this whole thing is a fucking trip, and I love it. Um, it won't be for everyone, though. I guarantee you, someone's going to go, what the fuck did you recommend? But um, but you've got those guys, and then the guys that I would consider to be the like, spiritual successor to Muse, and Corey Taylor's like, I recommend both. <laughs> <laughs> huh? It's like if Morphe said, take the blue pill, or the red pill, or both. <laughs> just smash them together, take the purple pill. Take the purple pill, and just... It's, it's weird, but... It, it, I do find it very uh, admirable that Corey Taylor comes out and says, well, they're all talking about Slipknot might not be around for forever, mm. won't be around for forever, might be go at any given moment. But at the same time, Corey Taylor will, at the same, in the same interview, you say, but here are other people I think you should listen to. Yeah. Here's I, the guys that I'd recommend. I think that's kind of, that's a, the calling card of like a genuinely like, prolific band. As they've seen, right, we're, like, we're happy that you listen to us, but like, here's some other good bands out there that you yeah. can listen to. And I think, like Slipknot's kind of or Corey Taylor is doing a real really required service to the metal community at that point because yeah. so many people I mean myself included I'm very much in this but if you kind of get entrenched in a style of music or they get entrenched in 
a, a, a genre of music to the mm. point where we know what albums we're going to listen to. Like, this is what I'm going to listen to if I want to listen to that type of music. We have set sort of preferences. But to have someone say, someone from a band that you've enjoyed for so many fucking years, just come out and say, nah, give these guys a try. Or like, it's not your, it might not be your style, but give Royal Blood a try. Like, there's track, uh, I think they have a track called, uh, it was on fucking, it was on a music it was on. It was on a music soundtrack. Fucking hell! It was on a movie soundtrack <laughs> that I was watch, I was watching, and it popped up. And I was like, oh, "That's actually pretty fucking good." Yeah, they've they've got this weird kind of style to them where there's a lot of very groovy in a weird way, and that's why I think there's been like the successor to Muse, but like the old school Muse just maybe before Black Holes and Revelations, where I mean I hoard that album to death. I fucking love Black Holes and Revelations. That was like a good chunk of my childhood. Yeah. It is that album. And playing the, is that the one that had Supermassive Black Hole and stuff in it? Yes. Or is, is that early? It's the same album, but there's a bunch of other stuff on there. That, yeah. Like, I used to listen to that constantly. Knights of Sidonia. No. Yeah, it's on there. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's a, a big fucking album. It's a song as well as an anime. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was going to say, no, that's an anime. But the no, spelling's Knights different. Of, yeah. <laughs> they're Knights of Sidonia. Yeah. No, uh, other one's Knights of Sidonia. One's CY, one's SY. Yeah, yeah sorry. Totally different thing. Yeah. Um, but not, the, not real at all. That album and just playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 yeah. on the PS2, just constantly. That was like summer's respect, that was, was that? that was Damn chilled. good summer. Yeah. But actually, I was listening to your recommendation for album of 2019. It yeah. was uh, I, The Mask. Yep. One question, though. When did In Flames, The Jester Race come out? The, Roughly. The Jester Race, that was what? 1990s? Maybe 2000s? Well, according to YouTube Music, it came out in 2020. I don't know if there's been a remaster. Aye, they, they, uh, they went through a whole load of the shit and put up remasters. Ah. Because on Spotify, I have two versions of all the records. Because there's soundtrack to your escape as well from Inflames on there. Yeah, that was 2003. Because that's 2020 as well, apparently. Yeah. So they've released remasters. That's interesting because yeah. if you listen to the Inflames album, pretty good. I like it quite yeah. enjoyed it. Um, so it's good to know that they're bringing it remasters for bands that... Yeah. They're doing a lot of reissues because I've got a funny feeling they're no longer with Nuclear Blast. Oh. So maybe they've brought that out under a new banner or something. I don't know. It would make sense if they're if they're on a new a new record label, but at the same time they're probably just re, remastering or remixing certain things. I want to see if the the new album was produced or was under a different record because normally there's record information. Pretty sure it probably they probably have uh, stuck with Nuclear Blast, but they're actually In Flames are touring, and it was a fucking mighty uh, schedule that was on there. It was like Megadeth. Trivium, yeah. Lama God, In Flames. Yeah, I've just seen that uh, being posted on Twitter by a friend of mine that reads uh, manga. And he was like, yeah, they're doing a 50-tour date in the US. I'm like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like this close to just talking about, like, hey, Dom, uh, how about them visas? <laughs> <laughs> when we get off this rock? <laughs> when we get off this rock? I, dude, I'd fucking go in a heartbeat. Because it was, it was t- posted on Facebook by Jesterhead UK, and I was like, let me buy tickets. Fucking let me at it. I will go to that. I will take fucking all the debt to make sure I go to that show. I'd say that's the probably the worst part of being a metalhead in the UK is bands typically appear in the winter on a Tuesday, especially in Scotland. Yeah. And it's just them like a medium support act and a small support act. Maybe yeah. another local band if they're lucky. But I uh, I find it very frustrating when you see like these, like the big knot fests and stuff. Uh, all the like big rebel yell stuff, all the stuff down in the south, and that was yeah. horrifically massive concerts. It's all metal, and it, you see the concert footage, and everybody's kind of like, meh, we don't care, dude. You 
put that on in Glasgow, people will start an actual fucking riot. Yeah, people will <laughs> people will show up at the door and just listen in and headbang. They'll just they'll make a party outside. Yeah, I, it's uh, always it's always struck me as weird that not more bands aren't coming to Scotland. But I think when you realise that there's visas and shit involved, there's a you know just a lot of travel for certain bands. It's probably got to get a bit daunting. But at the same time, if they're in England, it's not too far away. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh the worst part is we're doing a UK tour. Scotland's not. Scotland's not there. Yeah, we went to Leeds. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Who was it that done that? I think it was. Five hundred Death Punch and Bad Wolves did it this year. I was livid. Well, I. Oh, we're coming they, to Newcastle, Manchester, and everywhere just south of the border. Fuck you. <laughs> it, it would have been cool to see Five Hundred Death Punch again because their download performance was awful. Yeah. It was not great. Ivan Brady was just like, "I'm singing this song because I want to get off stage. I need a piss." <laughs> Bro, don't tell everyone that. We all know, but come on. <laughs> it was the same with uh, Corn in 2009 at Download. Because Jonathan Davis was just, here's a song, here's another song, here's another song. Weeping Corn, thank you, good night. <laughs> it's like five minutes after you started the set. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Keep playing, motherfucker. <laughs> Bro, you have another half an hour if you want. I mean, it's to- it's, you're, you're Corn, you're the legend. You <laughs> Helen Manson going? took two hours talking about his coat. You can take more time. <laughs> guys, I want to tell you about my coat right now. <laughs> now, he looks at the shooter and goes, guys, you want me with my jacket on? Or jacket off, and he just kept going. Jacket on, jacket off. And if that's a guy who's high on another dimension, he was steaming. <laughs> he was drunk off his ass. Like he, uh, his guitarist almost kicked him in the head because <laughs> he was sitting. He was trying to uh, play the song, and he, Marlon Manson kept coming up and like plucking the guitar and stuff. And you see him just like, swing the leg at him. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, bro, I'm just gonna quickly mosh in your fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like he was aiming for vitals. He wanted to take him the fuck out. And that's why he left to join Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah. That, that was still the funniest fucking thing ever. Like, Rob Zombie plays with Marlon Manson. Marlon Manson gets booed off stage most nights. Rob Zombie ends the rapturous applause. <laughs> <laughs> Steals two of his band members and tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> Bro, nice one. Yeah, big plays. Pa- big Papa Rob Zombie. Just dropping yeah. bombs on everybody. He released a new movie that I've still to watch. Uh, Three from Hell. Continuation of the uh, House of a Thousand Corpses Devil's yeah. Reject storyline. It's up on Amazon Prime for free, so probably. Shit, really? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, Rob Zombie can't really get studio backing anymore. So he just does what he wants. He just, he just uh, I think he Patreoned it. Ah. He went to Patreon. Fuck. Made this movie. That. So, yeah. Next, next time we talk, I'll be reviewing Joker. I'll be reviewing Three from Hell. I'll watch Three from Hell with you, and then I'll just sit back and just relax and just let just you let me, run let, rampant over Joker. Let me see Joker. I think you'll, I think you'll walk away from them enjoying yourself. Yeah. I've been told that if I do like the movie Joker, I will not be more, I'll not be as welcoming to the thought of having Joaquin Phoenix's Joker in the Batman. Correct. Really? Yeah. Mm. I think this should stand by itself. I really do. I mean, it's fine. I don't mind. If if they do it, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm not going to throw a shit fit. But I think this really should, it should stand by itself. And uh, the fact that he won all four leading actor role, like, Awards, yeah, from it was the like big Golden four. Globes, Emmys. He got the BAFTA shit. or Golden Globes is TV, but hey. he won a bunch of uh, screenwriters, uh, screen actors, SAG Awards, BAFTA, um, Oscar. Oscars, and then there was another one, I think. It's an independent something award, something like that. Uh, some, some extra award that they're like, oh, this one really matters as well. And yeah. You're like, yeah, sure, buddy. I'd be <laughs> okay with the idea or with the concept of uh, Joaquin Phoenix's. Joker or Arthur Fleck not being the Joker but inspiring the Joker kind of like what they tried to do in the TV show Gotham 
saying like this isn't the Joker, this is a, an early version of a psychopathic clown yeah. who is maybe being observed by some yeah. would be Joker. Who's like I'm going to be like that guy, but that, you know. that's doable. Yeah, with the way they and I think it could be with the way they've left it. I think that could be doable. That yeah. he's in Arkham and yeah. he happens to meet the real Joker, or I, my personal theory that the Joker movie is a story he tells himself. Mm. He's like, yeah, I was I was totally downtrodden. I was off my meds. I was in trouble, and yeah. everything's going wrong for me. And that's why it all happened. You're like, no, dude, you're just a bad person. Yeah, you're yeah. a horrific monster. Because I, I I would prefer it like that because in, I've been told that in in the movie Joker, Bruce Wayne's eight years old. Uh, he's eight running at the time his parents die. So yeah. yeah, he's young. Yeah, he's uh, he's young. Ma- he's young Master Wayne. Yeah, he's not just Alfred. Just being a kind of charming old British man is yeah. that he is. A, he is a child. He's a child. Yeah. So yeah, I think they probably if they were to do that, they'd probably go for something like that. It's just he is the inspiration for the actual Joker, which I'd be okay with. But I was actually I actually had a thought about the Batman, and I was sadly mistaken about this thought i thought it would be a much better film as if if instead of uh, batman being bruce wayne to justify how young robert pattinson looks instead of saying oh this is bruce wayne they made it dick grayson instead but then i, 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 I frantically looked i was like is he playing now he's actually playing bruce wayne like, dude it could have been much cooler if you just said no bruce wayne had his time uh, this also is dick grayson's robert batman. pattinson is not that much he's a bit older than us and yeah, he's not like the bulk. Yeah, but he's he's just a little bit older than us. Yeah, he's he's not. That, I mean, he's not as young as you think he is. That's the problem. Yeah. we've not seen him forever, so he's still that like five year old from the Twilight. Yeah, he's still got. He still looks a, a hell of a lot younger than Ben Affleck because Ben Affleck. I know a lot of people didn't like Batman vs Superman or uh, the Justice League. He was a damn good Batman. He even looked like the animated series Batman. Mm. He had that. He had that kind of age about him. He, mm. You could tell that if he was playing Bruce Wayne, you could see the experience on him. Uh, also had the butchin. Yeah, he did have the butchin. Yeah, the Robert Pattinson. Very important. <laughs> that was uh, that was why he was cast. Butchin. He's got it. Your heart. Uh, Robert Pattinson. Again, We're looking a, for a man with a butchin. Could you play Batman? <laughs> Just pulls a scarf down. You're goddamn right. <laughs> I am Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not doing that with this one. Oh, thank oh, God. We have a voice modulator, but how does it work? Because your your lips are still exposed to air. We'll figure it. We'll figure it. <laughs> It's in his throat, it's fine. It's fine, he just swallows a pill every morning, puts a little voice noise <laughs> thing in it. Yeah, I just thought that would be pretty cool, that uh, instead of him, instead of it being uh, Bruce Wayne as Batman, they actually made it Dick Grayson instead, just to justify how different in age these two ber- versions of Bruce Wayne look. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to be a prequel or anything. This is just going to be same continuation Batman, which is going to be hard to continuation explain. Continuation from... Like, it's still going to be in the same universe. Oh, it's still going to be like Justice League. Yeah. Oh, fucking Christ. From this what is, I've been told. This is why... This is the problem, yeah. This is why I think the Joker from the Wacky Phoenix movie shouldn't be in part of this because it gets so messy, it yep. gets so complicated, it gets so studio-based yep. rather than story-based. And I think that the Joker is a great story-based interpretation of the Joker and the Batman and yep. that world. I think that's why I'd want it separate. But yeah. Could be. But although the, the effect of a crisis on Infinite Earths has been stated to be felt in even the movie universe, the DC Extended Universe, so maybe as they're folding the universe together, Ben Affleck's Batman disappeared and Robert Pattinson's Batman is the one that got left. I feel like Warner Brothers told everyone that and they hope that it would keep the like the comic book fans hopes that way. <laughs> guys, 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 it, it could change at any moment, we promise. It could get good at any moment. Just keep watching. Please keep watching. We're so tired of losing to Marvel, please, dear God. Buy some cinema tickets, please. Can you buy two tickets each, please? <laughs> 
the cinema's going to be half empty. We're going to give you shit. <laughs> Buy some tickets. <laughs> the cinema will be half empty, but that'll be an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be entirely empty. Fucking got him. <laughs> right. Um, I am ready for the showstopper. As am I, sir. Let's do this. So for the showstopper, uh, I have I wanted to talk about this. It kind of cropped up during the week. Uh, I wasn't sure really how to phrase it, but it results. It was basically uh, it was an issue with the newest edition of uh, one of the largest anime and manga series to be basically released in the last ten years. And that is My Hero Academia. It's a show being recommended nonstop to everyone who listens. Yep. Um, Turns out there may have been a little bit of an incident when the character name, one of the main character names was revealed, uh, and it was because that the name may accidentally reference uh, Unit Seven Three One, which is a Japanese prison camp that happened was in mainland China during World War Two. Oh, <laughs> now uh, it's a bit tone deaf that one. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely think it's a mistake, but talk it out. Yeah, let's hash it. Um, so. Unit 731 was an, a prison camp in China where Chinese and Korean prisoners were deliberately infected with the bacteria just to see how they would react and what to find out what was the most effective method of killing the Chinese and Koreans using biological warfare. Uh, this was taken under... Uh, this was obviously a bit of a secret operation and uh, the name actually refers to the fact that it is a bit of a secret operation. And uh, But basically, if you've never heard of this before... Do a bit of reading because it's fucking nasty. But it's the Asian equivalent of like Auschwitz or Dachau where you've got like Joseph Mengele like sewing teenagers or sewing twins together to see if you get an ESPN connection or whatever the fuck it is or ESP. ESPN connection. (laughs) Dude, sometimes you really got to watch Super Bowl. We need to get Super Bowl. (laughs) Satellite ain't working. Let's get two twins sticking together. (laughs) Move around a little. (laughs) Actually, I read up on some of his other experiments where he would infect a child, infect one twin with typhoid then take the blood out of the first twin and give that blood to the second twin just to see what would happen. Dude, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. There's a reason why if you're a hack doctor that's got a very low mortality rate for his patients, you get called <laughs> Dr. Mengele. Mm. Um, but yeah, China and Japan actually have really bad relationships over World War II. Um, I don't know if you've heard I of- can't imagine why. <laughs> um, this for- comes as a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Who, who would have thought that if you invade a nation, yeah. you don't take it very well, especially when you refuse to acknowledge any of the war crimes you commit. Yeah. Uh, for example, the Comfort Women, where Japanese officers would just keep female sex slaves from China and use them for their own pleasure and their men's pleasure uh, to the point of driving them to suicide and then would never even really admit that it happened, despite the fact that it's a written record of this happening. And I've never officially apologised in any capacity. We have capacity. pictures. Didn't happen, man. Didn't happen. Don't you talk uh, about no, fake, man. News. <laughs> fake, fake news. Fake news. <laughs> fake news. Never happened. Never killed a woman. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is uh, it's happened to the Koreans as well because uh, it's often forgotten that the Koreans suffered as much as the Chinese or anyone else at the time yeah. um, under Imperial Japan at the time. And uh, so the question becomes, how does this tie into the favourite anime? Or one of my favourite animes. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 259 of My Hero Academia, uh, published in February the 3rd, uh, introduced a character called Shiga Maruta. Uh, now, the family name Shiga is a tribute to the loyalty of the series' overarching, villi- uh, overarching villain Shigaraki, aka All for One. Now, this is something that's happened before because the uh, kind of like apprentice for Shigaraki also calls himself Shigaraki. Hmm. So they adopt this family name. Uh, however, Shigamarata is going to be kind of a, a double agent. He's a secret agent, basically, for the evil side of the, the comic books. Hmm. 
And uh, so the fact he can't call himself Shigaraki, he calls himself Shiga, is all kind of winking and nudge. Yeah. So if you're paying attention, you'll figure it out yourself. Uh, where, oh, fuck, I've lost my notes. <laughs> God. It happens, man. God happens. fucking damn it. Um, so when it came to making him, giving him a, 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 like his first name, uh, the uh, the author decided to use the kanji for round and fat. Because honestly, if you like breathed on this guy while he was walking up a hill, he would uh, roll downhill. <laughs> right. Dude actually looks like Dr. Robotnik from uh, the Sonic games. I don't know why, but for some reason, I look at his face and I'm like... So he's got a tiny stick arm and <laughs> just a massive round torso. Yeah, and he's got the moustache and the, for some reason, aviator goggles. Like, World War One aviator goggles. Yeah, I think you need those if you're going to be a villain. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the problem is that the name uh, Maruta, also in, in Japanese, also refers to uh, lumber or wood. Which is unfortunate because the victims of Unit 731 were referred to as lumber in code. The actual facility for Unit 731 was hidden as a lumber factory, and to keep up the kind of code name and illusion of the whole mm. facility, they referred to the dead bodies of Chinese and Koreans as Magata. So they are effectively calling them dead wood. Yeesh. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty rough situation for a, a little. Japanese cartoon to be in. <laughs> yeah. um, well, it gets... Uh, it, oh, it gets worse. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> uh, China and Japan are actually... Or China and Korea are huge consumers of Japanese manga. Yeah. They, they love it. They, it's very engaging for them. So uh, they are basically just canning the series. Uh, there was... Uh, it was originally... Both the anime and manga were on uh, Chinese platforms. They have been ripped off the fucking platforms. There was a game in the works by Tencent, who are a like, produ- production studio that has a lot of shared interest mm-hmm. in different facilities, even here in the West. Uh, but if you just take a look into Tencent, they're a very proudly Chinese company. Mm. They have dropped the game that they were working on from My Hero. Like, the biggest property in Japan uh, right now is probably My Hero Academia, except for like One Piece. And the yeah, One Piece in Japan is ridiculous. Like, they go nuts for that stuff. But yeah, you're saying My Hero Academia is just on that level or just it will be it's it's rise it's still a rising star it will be on that level soon mm. it has been the biggest kind of import to the west since dragon ball z yeah and uh 10 cents said you know what fuck you dropping it drop the game that would have raked them in, like a mobile game that would have raked in cash mm. for uh for the company and they just said fuck it fuck you and fuck your game so suck it um so it's been pulled off of all those and uh yeah the other part of this is that um, it's, it's something I found now it's part of how uncredible the story is where uh, the, the guys or the, the editor team, the editing team and the writing team for the show and the manga have said this is a mistake we didn't realise, it's very offensive we understand, we're very sorry mm. we're working on it, we'll rename uh, everything that comes out to the English versions and when we get things sorted but we'll get things we'll make things right yeah uh, and then so this was the publishers in the West that wanted to make the it Japanese, like, right, so Shonen Jump themselves have right. come and said we fucked up we didn't understand the significance of that name we didn't see this coming it was a total blindside on our part thank you for pointing it out we did not mean to cause anyone the offence that did we are very sorry mm-hmm. um, the response to that was go fuck yourself uh, <laughs> um, turns out that the people who are like the kind of hashtag activists that are chasing the the keyboard warriors yeah those fucks Uh, they found out new evidence new shocking evidence that My Hero Academia is actually uh, pro-fascist not because of any kind of like 
super soldier stories or anything like that that were involved mm. in the story, but because uh, one of the main characters, one of the kind of main rivals uh, of the show is Bakugo, who has the same birthday as Hitler. Case closed, ladies and gentlemen. My hair. <laughs> my, my, this is my, your favourite anime, you say? More like my Nazi academia. <laughs> fucking got him. Uh, Mussolini academia. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Can that be the show title this week? Mussolini, <laughs> Mussolini academia. academia. <laughs> yes, we don't have a show title. Mussolini academia is. Um, the, yeah, the whole thing is just a shit show, but it turns out that on top of all these weird anime controversies, there is actually a genuine issue that's brewing between uh, Japan, China and Korea. Um, obviously, because there are these international incidents, turns out Japan is trying to do some uh, uh, some tariff, like kind of trade war shit mm-hmm. with uh, China and South Korea. South Korea produces a massive amount of electronics, and uh, the Japanese government don't want to buy from Korea so they can make it themselves to kind of keep the manufacturing jobs in Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is all started off some like weird trade war over there. And it turns out it's so bad that Korean shops that have Japanese products. Korean protesters will go in, just grab the Japanese products, walk out the store with them, and burn them in front of the store. (laughs) And the Korean shoplifters are like, I ain't getting involved in this. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take the hit of like 100 quid worth of product and just walk away from it all rather than be seen as pro-Japan. And uh, I'll just take that financial hit. So Korean shopkeepers are just willing to let 100 pounds worth of stock Walk out. Yeah. Jesus. Well, I mean, would you stop a mob of protesters? Nah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I could, but... There's no, there's no point in it. They're just like, if, if I stand up for this, if I stand up for Japan in a Japan versus Korea argument, basically, mm. I'll be labelled as a traitor and then yeah. people just won't come to my business anymore. I'll, I'll be cancelled, basically. Yeah. So they're just saying, fuck it, let it run. I'll take the hit for that one and just replace it with Korean products so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Which I gotta say, pretty fucking effective protest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean it worked. If it's getting to the point where people are too afraid to stock a certain product because of, you know, potential lifelong backlashes, I think it's a very effective yeah. protest. But I had no idea all this was going on, and it just so happened that because it crept into this uh, sphere of anime and manga that I'm interested yeah. in, it turns out that there's like massive political tensions brewing between China, Japan, and Korea. It's fucking awesome. Shit. Uh, yeah, but there was. There's not a lot in there that's. It, there's, I don't. I see it as being a genuine accident. Um, yeah. A lot of people say that the, <laughs> the the dumbest one I saw was, I explained the point about him calling himself Shiga, instead of uh, Shigaraki, and some people still believe that that's a reference to, a uh, a Japanese microbiologist who found a type of bacteria called Shigella, which also causes similar infections that would be similar to, uh, I think it's not dissimilar to typhus mm-hmm. in a certain way but when i looked into it all the bacteria involved are like a degree different from each other there's no way it's an intentional reference and if it is it's such a fucking hidden like 14th layer <laughs> meta commentary like nah fuck it it's it, it's bullshit it's an accident it's a genuine like 10 accident. cloverfield lane levels of alternate reality games that you need to fucking sift yeah. through nah i think that's the thing there's so many when you're making there's so many different things that you need to worry about when you're writing an anime are writing a manga, some things slip up. I think in this point it is a genuine mistake. And I think when he was making the character of Bakugo, did I get the name right? Bakugo? Yeah, Bakugo. Yeah, he wasn't thinking, oh, this this guy has Hitler's birthday. He's just thinking, yeah. oh, I've given him a birthday. That's yeah. that character done. Now to write the billions of other characters that are going to appear in this show. Yeah, and that's the thing, is the, the cast of the show is huge. I mean, there are, so far in the anime, I reckon we've been introduced to 
70 what I call worthy characters, as in characters who might have an impact on the story. Um, and all those guys need to have like a full bio written about them. Yeah. And there's only 365 days of the year and just about every day at some point could be associated with some horrific human act because yeah. humans are shit. So, you know, yeah. if it happens to overlap, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's not intentional. I don't think anyone is deliberately going out there to try and, you know, resurrect old, or open up old wounds <laughs> or resurrect old beefs. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And the fact that the the kanji for uh, Marita, because the the name was supposed to derive from the kanji for round and fat, hmm. and it just so happens that those also become the kanji for lumber, which yeah. references Unit Seven Thirty One. Shit happens. I'm sorry, but yeah, I, I feel like they're just it's part of a it's part of a fuck Japan moment. Yeah, because of the political tensions and just when you just happen to get a story like this, it really helps fucking drive up your. Yeah, if it's gonna, and, if, yeah. yeah, definitely, absolutely hit the nail on the head there. If it's going to give you an edge in any way, shape, or form, if it's going to make more people engage with this whole "fuck you" Japan movement, mm. they're going to, you know, blow. They're going to inflate that up. They're going to plaster it on every medium that they can just to try and, yeah. you know, boost this movement. And it, it just—it's a story that just happens to have traction. And it was—it was weird because I don't normally deal with this type of drama, especially not as a showstopper, but. It was weird to find, like, there's just a weird hint of, like, a horror story yeah. working underneath some weird internet drama. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's our showstopper for the day. Yep. Uh, we've been talking Jibberfish. I've been Colin Graham. I've been Tom Anderson. And if you'd like to contact the show, there is at Jibberfish on Twitter. Appreciate any feedback in the episodes. And you can email the podcast at jibberfishpodcast at gmail.com. Soon to be a government organisation. Soon. We're working on it. Turns out there's a lot of paperwork. Yep. And I can't spell. Yeehaw! <laughs>